Guys, January 12th, I'm in San Diego, El Cajon, California, at the Magnolia Theater. January 13th, at the Wiltern Theater in Los Angeles. My first time ever doing a theater in Los Angeles, so come out and support. Nashville on February 2nd, at the Historic Ryman. Warner Theater in Washington, D.C., February 3rd. And then I end my tour February 9th at the Grand Sierra Resort in Reno, Nevada. New hour, hour that I'm going to be filming and putting out there, chrisdcomedy.com for Tiki Wikis. It's going to be fun. I'm I, I'm going to do my material. And then in the front row, if you're sitting in the front row, maybe I'll do some crowd work. Maybe I'll shoot somebody out of a cannon. I don't know. Okay? But you will see clips online. <laughs> Come celebrate the holiday with me, whichever one you celebrate. Each one is equally legitimate. December 22nd, Stamford, Connecticut, New York Comedy Club. One show only. Come out to that. December 29th, I'm in Lansing, Michigan at Hilltop Studio. Very intimate space, so if I don't sell that out, there's a solid chance I take my own life. December 30th, Grand Rapids, Michigan at the Midtown Grand Rapids. Let's add a show. Come on out. And then January 6th, Pottstown, Pennsylvania. Come out. Storm that stage at Soul Joel's Comedy Dome. January 11th through the 14th, I'm in Tampa for the Sunshine Comedy Fest. I'm going to be in Vegas January 25th at Wise Guys. I'll be in Chandler, Arizona, RIP Matthew Perry, January 26th and the 27th. Four shows at Mike Drop Mania. And then uh, on the 28th, I'll be back in Salt Lake City at Wise Guys. So come out. All tickets are at MikeCannonComedy.com. Genuinely appreciate all the Chaos fans coming out. The yeah. I think it was the Comedy Central half hour, yeah, yeah, where you told all the stories about your dad. Yes, uh, phenomenal. Yeah, I still, I still, still doing the same shit. Um, <laughs> now I've added stories about my Puerto Rican uh, children. No, no, I, I, I saw the the Netflix special, the the especially Weshi, especially Wesh, uh, fantastic. Oh, thank you. Just fantastic. It's so it's kind of it feels like your voice is so particular. Yeah, like it's like anything you talk about. Just it's like. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. It's I, great. I, I, I really needed this because I feel like. Uh, <laughs> uh, what, I mean, are you having I, a tough time? <laughs> no, that's the thing. Everything. I'm in. I'm in a position now where it's like you know we're selling, doing great, and I'm like uh, I feel like garbage about myself. It's a weird thing, but we'll get into why, it. Why do you feel like garbage? I don't know. I, don't, I actually don't know. We've been trying to. We've been sitting here figuring it out every day. Uh, <laughs> it's just the never endingness of it. Probably. Right, right, the, right. Just the, the, yes. The right. constant sprint. Yes. The constant sprint. Well, it's interesting because what makes you happy and what makes you unhappy in life, I think is, I, I think I'm pronouncing this incorrectly. I've only ever seen it written down, but telic and anti-telic tasks. Okay. Which is, there's never ending tasks and there's tasks that have got an end. And when it's got an end, like when you're doing a big tour and you get off tour, it's a bit, ah, right. what next? It's a bit, it's deflating after the high. It's a bit, ah, uh, nothing. Whereas like things like being a parent, being a husband, yeah. being a comedian, it's a task without end because there's always someone yeah. doing better. And even if you're the goat, there's someone coming up behind you doing better, writing better stuff. So right. it's that thing of going, I mean, you couldn't be any better. Look at your trajectory. Look at how you're doing. It's phenomenal, well, well, right? No, well, that's why I think too, like with the having parents, you know, we're both dad, we're all dads in here. That saves me because I'm like, I'm anytime I start to go down the rabbit hole of, comparison or maybe i i didn't do that well i'm like oh but look my kids my kids yeah, are happy yeah. healthy and they i, I put 100 of my effort each day into being the best father for them and then i that makes me 
feel good. Yeah. But sometimes I go into down a, a rabbit hole and my brain is just like, no, you suck, you suck, you suck. And then the kids, you know, get me out. But then who, do you, who are you comparing yourself to? Because that, that thing, I mean, I love that. that I kind of live by that. Comparison is the thief of joy. Oh, yeah. Teddy if you Roosevelt. ever want to be, yeah. If yeah. you ever want to be, you know, upset. An American. Just, someone is always kind of. Yes. Someone's uh, always doing better. But like being better than yourself last year, that's the yes. aim. That's yeah. the whole thing. Or the, and are you a better comic than you were when I last saw you? Yeah. I mean, I saw the the the, the Netflix thing. It's better. It's like, it's just, it's slightly. It's better, yeah. Yeah, it's well, more I failed more, right? We but you're looking, more. You, because you're looking in the mirror, so you can't see the exponential growth. You're seeing everything changing day by day. And the funny thing is, is like you're talking about all the happiness and shit that comes along from being a parent. There is no like father coming to take your position. No hungry upstart that is you know getting better and better and looking know. to take your place. I don't know. I don't know. Attractive wife. She meets other men. I, yeah. <laughs> no, that absolutely could be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You I don't know what you're talking into, about. Okay. Fair I don't enough. know why you mentioned fair. it. He's already having a tough time. Yeah. <laughs> I why mean, bring yeah. it up? Now I know I'm getting. <laughs> I'm going to no. call her right now. <laughs> Jimmy Carr, everybody. It's very nice to see you, man. You, you I'm no, so this is pleased. all on. Oh, do we have... But we're, we're getting all this. Yes. Oh, great. Yeah, but that, that thing of like going, it's really nice when... I think in comedy you can tell who your friends are and who your frenemies. Right. I don't think I've got any frenemies in comedy any, uh, anymore. I think I've got rid of it. But that thing, when someone else's success genuinely is your success, mm-hmm. you, you that's oh, great. That's a friendship. Well, that's Mike and I. Mike and yeah. I have been friends since 2010. So right. it's, you know, we've yeah, been, and every, we've just shared in each other's stuff. And it's, yeah, that, that's why when I was doing this podcast solo and I would just have a guest, so I do it alone. And I was like, what am I not? I don't like this. And then I was like, oh, I'm missing the best friend in comedy part. And now it doesn't feel like a job anymore. Now it's like, we're just having fun talking shit. And yeah. then great guests like you come along and then, you know, Vito just got married and, you know, we're <laughs> yeah. spreading love and he's dressed like a lesbian who's farmer. The, who's the unlucky lady? <laughs> yes. Vito's a good guy. We call him Record Ralph. Vito appears as a, you know, hardcore, you know, right leaning storm the Capitol guy. But he's as he's as Democrat. He's, a, he's yeah. the biggest Dem in the room. He's a Big. make your own maple syrup Democrat. Yep. 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 Big time. So so. So here on the show, we have a lot of people. They appear one way, but they are another way. I'm a snowflake. You I, are. I take notes on everything, and I'm willing to send it out. Great. <laughs> Great. Yes. Now, Jimmy, you you look fantastic because we we like to compare our jawlines a lot. We 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 yeah. were fat, we had fat faces yeah. back then, and now we're slowly getting better. And you obviously. Your face is, you have a different head. It seems like you have a different head from the last time I've seen you. Yeah, I, uh, I, well, what happens is, it's interesting, you get to a certain level of wealth and mm-hmm. then plastic surgery happens. <laughs> then you yes. can just buy they a new just, body. They say, come this way, please. You've reached the next level. But, but, but you have to be, you have to change your diet and your lifestyle. Yeah, a little bit. I think I worked, I work quite a lot. I think I'm quite sort of addicted to work. Okay. Uh, and I, so this year, I think so far I've done like 250 theater shows. It's a lot. Wow. And it, that thing of like, if you're working, if you're doing two shows a night, you sort of, you'll have lunch and then you won't eat. I can't eat pre-show, like mm-hmm. pre-show, because you know, like indigestion on stage is not great if you're trying to digest something. So that thing of you naturally intermittent fasting. Right. So you're naturally doing sort of 16, 17, 18 hours without food. And it seems like a very healthy right. way of kind of living. That, yeah. and, you know, I'm, I'm not really, I was really careful on food this year because I can't go to the gym when I'm not at home. Mm-hmm. If I'm at home, I can work out. But that thing of like guys going to gyms in hotel rooms, I, I, I can't do I mean, it. just seems crazy to me. You haven't worked out at all since you've been in America? Since like the last 12 months, it's been bad. Yeah. Because wow. this year I did Australia, Canada, uh, Middle East, uh, Europe. Uh, I mean, it was like 
like 40 countries. So it's been wow. crazy. Wow. I mean, we have, we, I, I feel like, well, we have good gyms here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what is do, it about it? It's an away game. about being on tour and like going, okay, so I've got to get my gym stuff, which is kind of disgusting afterwards. And I've got to transport that. Like yeah. I travel just with hand luggage. Oh, no kidding. I, That's I, smart. I'll do like 12 do, days just with hand luggage. Do you do the Lil Wayne thing though, where you kind of leave with no luggage the, and then buy new clothes wherever you're at and then throw them in the garbage? And drink cough syrup with alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> that would seem no I, I i i just no i i just i kind of travel light and just i kind of like that thing of like i think comics are we should all have everyone's got a podcast these days but really comics talking about travel and travel tips would be the thing because we, we get so good at it yes well i i i personally same as you i will never ever 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 check a bag and i no. and i have now gone to the point where it used to be one bag on my back, a book bag, and and the handbag. Now I just do the handbag because I'm like, I don't want you. C- I can be the last person on the plane. I could be sitting first class. It doesn't matter at all. No one's going to take my overhead space because I don't need it. And I yeah. and I was in Italy, and this guy uh, who's old man, you know, worked at the hotel. I said to him after spending a few days there. I said to him, I said, uh, what is what's like a tip? What's like a secret that you see? Like you know, you've been working. He told me he was working at the hotel for fifty years. And he was like, um, he was like, people have a better time when they pack less. He goes, the people who have the most stuff always have the worst time, and they're most likely American. He said, most of the time they're Americans. Mm. You guys have so much stuff that you don't need. He was like, I never understood why people are bringing everything to be on vacation. Yeah, and oh, I, I like, mean, it's a stark contrast. Me traveling on my own. Me traveling with my family. Oh, me right. traveling with my family. There's a there's a minivan full of luggage behind. You need it. it. It just becomes like it's a whole dog and pony show. Yeah, I mean, I've I have a it's huge crazy. Puerto Rican family. I have to bring there's a I have to bring goats. <laughs> I have to bring I have to bring chickens. I have Statues to bring things for them. Yeah. Adobo. I have to bring. I, how many how many kids you got now? Three. You got three. Three so kids. What, you got? what what age? Boy, one boy, thirteen, an eight year old girl, and a two year old girl. By five different mothers. By, by five home, different mothers. By five different mothers. Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a it's a yes. strange math that goes on. Yes. In Queens, you don't have Puerto Ricans in England. We don't have Puerto Ricans in England. Not no, many. there is there is a there Far is a, there is a law. Some people think it's racist. I think it's just keeps things on the nice. Uh, no, it's uh, no, we we don't. I mean, it's weird actually when you go to different places where you go. I'm Irish, so uh, we we came over in the 1970s. The secret sauce of London, why is Britain great, mm. is immigration. It's like because the, the the hustle, like high agency people are immigrants. Always yeah, the always. people getting shit done. If you were if you live in the same place you were born, eh, okay. <laughs> okay, but what did you ever do? Yeah, like people that move from different places, they end up here. They, they they've got that kind of. Oh yeah, a- anytime, anytime I feel any type of success in comedy, or somebody says, "Oh, you're... I said no, I, I grew up in New York. New York is like the mecca of stand up. All I had to do to live my dream was take the train six stops, right. and if it didn't work <laughs> out, who cared? I could just live with my mother. But the people who leave their city, yeah. leave their country, yeah. and to pursue a dream, now those people, that's like real. Respect. Well, that's the, someone was talking about that thing the other day of like, who would you call? Who would you call if you were like, I don't know, uh, you know, captured by the Taliban? Right. And you had to call one guy to get you out. Who would you call? Who's that person in your life? Tends to be a very high agency person. That's super high agency. Right. Who's that person? It's going to be an immigrant friend. Uh, 100% of the time. No, for me, I'm going to call my girl. I'm going to call Jasmine, my Puerto Rican girlfriend, (laughs) because she's the one that would fight for me. She's the one that builds stuff. She's the one that would most likely have a weapon in her bag. She's, she is. Yeah. I would call her and she's about getting stabbed with a stiletto heel. (laughs) Yes. And she's Puerto Rican. Even though it's a U.S. Commonwealth, we still do the whites. We'd consider them immigrants. Yeah. Um, Do you think that? I think that because the vibe and energy 
the suit, the British accent. I think we should switch seats. And you just sit here and let me sit there. Would you be okay with that? Uh, yeah, no, I think that's a better yes, idea. Yeah. I feel this, like I should... The suit, the accent. Yes, yes this, is, uh, this is my big break in America. Yeah. <laughs> Still drinking my coffee. Here we yeah. go. The last days of the Chrissy Chaos Podcast Studio. This feels oh, better, hi, Jimmy. No, this feels right. Uh, <laughs> welcome welcome to the show, uh, Chrissy Chaos. Um, the... Uh, the guest we had book cancelled. We got these two schlubs. Yes, we have to do. We um and Jimmy, it's 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 an honor for for this you to have nice us on. Setup. Thank you. Um yeah. and uh and yeah, this this feels better because I we do feel Mike and I were t- discussing as we're walking and we do feel you know because the, the, you know how 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 British you are, how prop you are, always wearing the suits. We did feel we do feel a bit beneath you. Why would you? Say yes, that? I mean it's like you're from New York. Like if you think about stand up comedy, right? It's an American medium. What's America given the world, really, culturally? The Western, jazz music, stand-up comedy. And stand-up comedy is the newest of those, right? Right. We're, we're getting into the ground floor. Guys. Yeah. There's, there's been music for hundreds, thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Comedy's new. Comedy's like, right. you can go, but you can kind of trace it back. There's the kind of bubbling under of like, oh, court jester to kind of guys doing in vaudeville and clowning. Right. But really, stand-up comics, who's the first? Who's the first kind of guy headlining doing hour-long shows? You know, it's it's kind of it's Lenny Bruce, it's Carl, it's like yeah. it's but it's recent, right? Totally, yes, yeah. Yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Fifty it's years. Recent. It's recent, so I I, I kind of think those guys are John the Baptist. Mm, Jesus right. isn't even here yet. Right. This right. is the thing. We're like we're in this incredibly exciting industry. John this the Baptist the, beheaded. Yeah. Fun fact. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. Too, that's actually America. Just a sprinkle of autism there. <laughs> yes. We all have it. We'll I have burgers. Yeah. But yeah, and I, I've said this before. I'm getting sick and tired of people, everyone claiming that they have are on the spectrum. Everyone claiming they have oh, autism. Self diagnosed. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. me, I it's like anything you can't have with a blood test. Yes. I'm very cynical about because I think it's also quite defining. Right. You know that thing totally. of like you go, you tell a kid when they're seven years old. I remember being told I was dyslexic as a kid, which which I guess I am. I mean, right. I can't really, I couldn't read until I was about 11. Very bad at writing. Mm. But um, it re, it's really limiting. And then you go, well, I did brilliantly academically because I kind of went, ah, I'll be all right. I'll just, right. Just, Say, saying I'll you're on the spectrum it. now is almost like how people got really into astrology and they said, like, I'm a Virgo, so I'm a twat. Like, that's, yeah, that's the, the reason thing. behind it. It's the exact same thing, just saying I'm on this bit of the spectrum. But so it, is, if I, it is that way of, like, people love that thing of, uh, learning more about themselves. People mm-hmm. like talking about themselves. Mm-hmm. That's why those kind of, those, you know, the, the online kind of, oh, I'm going to fill in this and see what kind of a person I am. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like for me now, I won't believe you're on the spectrum or autistic unless you have a helmet on and you're biting me. That's yeah. what I, I want to be able to, you need to bite me. And then other than that, I'm not going to listen to your bullshit about you being autistic. <laughs> and, and people that's listening why, to this will get the fact, I mean, obviously if you've got kids and they've got really serious problems, that's a different thing. I'm talking about people doing well with jobs, yes. getting on in the world. Yes. Because yes. yeah, yeah. when I was growing up, like I was at school with people like the, the one guy didn't talk, didn't right. talk all right. the way through high school, never said anything to anyone. You go, and we just went, Hey, he's quiet, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's uh, quiet. Bloke. He keeps himself to himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You go, no, the guy's a fucking basket case. Yes. But somehow, yes. we just kind of all muddled on. And I think there's mm. something in that. That group takes you, oh, I, like, I don't think it's healthy to overdiagnose. Sure. Right. And that seems to be what's happened. I think it happened after, it happened after a thing with R.D. Lang. You know the story of this? R.D. Lang? Uh, not Artie Lang. Artie Lang. Oh, not Artie Lang. I think it's, let's Google this. I think it's R.D. Lang. R.D. Lang, because we know Artie Lang. Yeah. No, that's a very different thing. So this guy <laughs> this guy went to, there's a brilliant documentary about it called The Century of Self. 
Okay. Uh, which is fabulous by Adam Curtis. So this guy went to uh, psychiatrists in America and he sent his grad students to the psychiatrists and he said, go and go and see the psychiatrist and just say, look, I feel absolutely fine, but there's a voice in my head saying drip, drip, drip. And the, 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 10 of them got uh, put into institutions. So right, there's a voice in your head saying drip. They got put into institutions and the only way they could get out they were in there for like six, eight weeks. And the only way they could get out was to sort of play along with the system. Huh. And he debunked psychology, uh, uh, psychiatry. He debunked psych- psychiatry fully. He said, you guys are charlatans. You don't know what you're doing. This is crazy. Uh, and they were up in arms. And they sent a letter to him and they said, you know, we, we, this, is, this is bullshit. You're discrediting us. This is unfair. Um, send, an, send another bunch of grad students and we'll spot them. Mm-hmm. And then they spotted hundred of his grad students he hadn't sent any wow wow it's like and that's that that sort of that era that was kind of late 60s led to this thing where everyone now is like oh there's a checklist of things and mm-hmm. if you fill out that checklist then you're this yeah then you're right. adhd yeah. then you're this that thing came from that it was like it was it was a different thing before it's 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 very strange the way this changed. this uh adam curtis the century of self if you're interested i think it's on youtube it's a british yeah. documentary maker he's like the best documentaries don't, in the world. Don't you think self-diagnosis is also boosting with like the currency of of victim or, or of being a victim or of being or of like experiencing trauma? Because in this country, it seems like we're all trying to you know victim Olympics. Everybody's trying to talk about like what they've been through and yeah, how that's the, the hardest the, version that of kind life. Of intersectionality, which yeah. comes from the Frankfurt School kind of Marxist view that everything's about power dynamics. Mm-hmm, so right. it's kind of Foucault and Leotard and, and all, all those guys. It's, yeah, that's kind of, for me, I don't buy into that. I don't think everything is about power. Mm-hmm. I don't think Foucault was right. I don't agree with Marxism. I don't, you know, for me, it's like, there's only one lesson we learned from the last hundred years, which is fascism, fascism is wrong. But communism's fucking wrong as well. Right. Anything 100% is wrong. <clears throat> right, yeah. Justice to 100% is wrong. Yeah. Because if you take justice to 100%, it goes from equality of opportunity to equality of outcome. And, and you're two beats away from Stalin. Right. Anything, the dose is often the, 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 you know, the issue. And it, that freedom to kind of go, look, everyone comes up at different speeds, right? You, mm-hmm. you know, you, and, and life is kind of full of changes. Everyone, everyone experiences, if you're having a tough time at the moment, I mean, you're doing great. I, I'm just looking in from overseas. I've kind of followed your career because oh, I really like your... Like you, you just mannerism, your way of being. You're so funny. It's called being in the closet. Huh? <laughs> it's called being in the closet. Right. Okay. <laughs> but it's it, like no. I kind of follow it and think you're doing great, and then you go, ah, I'm not so great. I feel like. But everyone should have imposter syndrome every 18 months. Well, I think I, as you leaven up, you go, what? Yeah. And you it, like even as a father, you go, well, I'm sorry, I'm making decisions about schools. Oh, yeah. What? This, yeah. this can't be right. It's like yeah you're constantly having that thing yeah well that's i you know i it's funny because you say that because my dad right i talk about my dad so much in my stand-up and my life but he only has like a fourth grade education right but he's all street smart it's all so he's you know he has a lot of bad ideas but also (laughs) a lot of decent ideas and when i was talking to him about this a couple of weeks ago he was like how's everything you know just did radio city which was like a big goal of mine mike you know mike was there and then and then how was i mean yeah we did 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 you take a moment? Let's just take a moment to talk about Radio City. Yes. What, five and a half thousand seats? Yes. Middle of New York. Yes. Maybe the best room in New York. Yeah. I mean, right. For, did you do anything to market or did you? Because it's that thing where you kind of, sometimes as a comic, you kind of have these moments and you won't like celebrate. Right. Next. So, no. So, my, so my father, when, when we put Radio City on sale, it sold out very quickly. And 
I told my dad and he, and he said, oh, congrats. I said, yeah, he goes, don't add a show. Okay. Do not add a show. You know, you could sell it out. Don't add a show. You just took the pressure off your, yourself. We can bask in this moment now for you as a family You're from New York. This has been a big dream of yours. Do not add a show. I was like, fuck you. I'm adding a show. And then, and then, <laughs> and then right. Which is yeah, right. It, cool. I'm in my head. I'm like, all right, dad, what yeah. do you know? <laughs> and then, so I add a show at the theater at Madison square garden, you know, right. Like, you know, I was yeah. like, Oh, I do one Friday at radio city theater at Madison square garden. And the next night, and that eventually gets to sell out. But then it was eight months of like, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. And it was my dad's lesson to be like, you always want more, always, your life. And I'm bringing that up to, because, you know, with yeah. this, with this uh, fraudulent stuff, he's like, you know, you always, you always want more. Since you've been a little kid, you always just like want more. He's like, because I think for whatever reason, he goes, I don't know if it was me or your mother, but one of us screwed you. You think you're a fraud at everything and you don't think you deserve anything. He's like, so you got to stop. Well, he was, well, no, I mean, I, I, I disagree fundamentally. I think this oh, is like... Okay. Tell him that. <laughs> so I think this is what you like is dopamine, not serotonin. Oh, interesting. Right, so you want the new, right? So it's, the, it like, it's that thing of like, um, it's, it's a very different drug, right? So it's the, you know, you ever have that thing where you go and you buy something, you want something and you buy it and it wasn't what you wanted. Yeah, mm -hmm. every well, time. it was. But the, the, the chase was the reward, mm -hmm. right? Getting the thing was the reward. That's the dopamine. So that kind of, shopping's the most obvious kind of example. Sometimes you go, well, I'm going to get a new phone or a new watch or something. When I get that, everything's complete. And then you get it and it's a bit, nah. But you really enjoyed the buildup and the getting it and the finding it, especially if you're like collecting something or looking for sneakers, whatever the thing is that's your thing. Yeah. And you get the dopamine, it feels pretty good. But it's very different from the serotonin thing. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah. it's why guys cheat on their wives because they go, I want the dopamine of the new yeah. rather than the serotonin of the great. It's, it's why similar comedy, to buying drugs, actually. Well, the why, lead up to it is much more exciting than actually doing the cocaine. The high before the high. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that thing of like going, it's why jokes are so good. Because jokes are like a perfect match of like, it's the all the happy feelings of the serotonin and laughing, mm -hmm. but also the dopamine hip. You don't quite know where the punch is coming. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like it's like gambling. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, they're looking for the new. You can't ever win enough because you're you're chasing the thrill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that thing of it's very healthy. What? Why do you do? Why are you predetermined to do that? Well, because that's leading you to be more ambitious. Well, that's why my my parents. I have my dad who's third grade education and my mom Ivy League. And my mom when I when I talk to them, my they they're divorced. But when my dad was so like, you, sorry, your mom's Ivy League and your dad's fourth grade. Yes, sir. Sorry. So yes. This is this is. Billy Joel's Uptown Girl is <laughs> yeah. literally, yeah. it's literally your life. Yes, it's and, yeah. and hang on, and, and you went and did stand-up. Yeah. So that's my life. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> You're basically a Billy Joel musical as a man. Less. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. They met at a walkathon, my parents, as they do. My, my, this is, I've told this, my mom was walking the walkathon, raising money for cancer, and my father was doing community service on the side of the walkathon because he had gotten out of jail and he had to, a six month community service, and that's how they met. And they had a fling and they had me, and my mom divorced him immediately. And um, tell CBS, we told CBS this story, and they said, no thanks. And, and, you got to get Billy Joel on as a producer. Yeah. And, um, but the, I, so, I guess her mother never told her why. <laughs> yeah. She needs a downtown guy. That's, I mean, yes. phenomenal. I mean, I am. And look I, at what it produced. I'm every Billy Joel song. Yeah. And, um, but my, but, but so like they would always have like differences of opinion where my dad, yeah, you know, 
taps into the raw emotions like it's because you think you're a fraud and that's no good because that's weakness right and fuck it don't be a pussy that's my dad ego and then my mom was like no the best thing you can do honey in life is to always think that to always search for knowledge and yearn for knowledge my mother's advice from when i was a little kid i, I don't know some she said a lot of things to me but one thing got like ingrained in my head and i think i have lived like this so she's like if you ever find yourself as the smartest person in the room it's time to find a new room you move out of that room because you yeah. always got to keep learning. And I was like, whoa. That's great, isn't it? <laughs> cool. It was great. It was I great. think that's like stand up is that room. Yeah. Stand up is like you're never the smartest guy in the room because it's like it's the uh, it's the island of broken toys. Isn't yeah. it? It's yes. the it's the everyone's kind of my favorite is um uh we're out for ourselves but in it together. <laughs> yeah. There's a lovely thing of like we're all sort of doing our thing, but like oh, we're both stand up comics, right? We're both trying to sell tickets. This, there's no way that we're in competition with each other. No. Like it's, it's with actors. If we're both actors. We're both going for the same thing. We're both trying to right. get the same role. It's an amazing kind of world of comedy where you go, it's, I had a friend who's a singer in the UK. He's a very famous singer in the UK. And he said this thing and it really, uh, it really made me sad. But Adele? Like beautiful. Adele, not, not Adele, no. Um, <laughs> Adele and I don't get on great. The, um, the, I love the, Adele. Uh, uh, it was this guy Robbie Williams, and he said this thing. Oh, his oh, yeah, documentary yeah. on Netflix. Yeah, he's he's a, a very good friend of mine. But he said this thing. I think he's uh, he might say it in the documentary as well. He said this thing years ago to me. He said, uh, he said, I'm an entertainer in the true sense. If you don't love me, I don't love me. Mm. Mm. I thought it was really kind of beautiful and open. And and then and then I was thinking, oh, comics haven't got that. We absolutely want to be loved, hundred right. percent, but entirely on our own terms. Yeah, yeah. Like is that thing of you go. I want you to love me as an audience, but also these are the jokes and fucking deal with it. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's like, it's like you can't get around, I always thought, with comics, us, even if we are working on ourselves and, and why we're doing comedy, all of our different reasons, even if it's all based in truth and good, there is a bit of narcissism to want to just be up there and be like, stop what you're doing, everyone, and listen to me speak. Yeah. It's like a politician, even the yeah. best politicians. It's like whether you liked Obama, whoever your favorite politician was, it's like if you want to be the leader – there's something wrong with you. <laughs> You're probably You're a power not fit hungry to be one. Monster. Yeah. <laughs> so that in and itself, if you want to be the leader, exactly. You're not fit to it. So I always think about that. What the the that is that you're somehow taking too much space that you're Yeah, that like that like even if I'm out there on stage, you know, what I think is doing good and making people you know, happy and all that, and I'm doing this for them, it's always about me because no, they look at me. Nah, I, don't, I, I don't agree. I, I think that um well, you better agree. Don't forget where you are. I think it's, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, look, but here's, here's the thing. It's performative being on stage. Yes. It's also performative being in an audience. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, and, okay. and I don't know if people, can, uh, comics think about that enough. Like the idea of like when they're on stage and you say, hey, how are you doing? Or what's the reaction in like the cellar to Madison Square Garden to wherever you're playing? It's like, hey. You never say individually yeah. if you said to someone, how are you doing? Hey! <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the yeah. deli, you go, well, are you losing your mind? Mm -hmm. It's a performance. Yeah, right. You go to a, go to a rock show, go and see, uh, I don't know, whoever, go and see Jay-Z in the garden or whatever. That thing, like if you stand stock still and just listen to the music, yeah. you're the weirdo. Right, right. Like you would listen on your headphones. Everyone's kind of grooving or whatever. But that thing of like, it's it's a performance. It's a little puppet. You're showing everyone around you mm -hmm. with kind of tribal creatures. And that tribal thing of going, we need someone to hold the talking stick and to, to hold space here. That's an important role you're playing. Right. Yeah. That, that's, right. Your, your, that's of service. That's no, a great point. You're, Some people, when they sit in the – last night I did a show at the Moxie Hotel in a penthouse suite, which Meyer. is like – it sounds like the worst idea ever. And it 
it was. So Why? they ordered in this show. It was terrible. It was like 12 just oh. rich people that didn't know what a comedy show was. They just knew they wanted to be entertained by well, poor people. Well, they weren't people. that rich or they would have booked me. <laughs> well, that's a very good that's point. Yeah. yeah, They spent most of the money on the suite and then they brought me in for sure. the extra 50. So, But <laughs> the thing is... That's the it, toughest gig in the world as well. I think, weirdly though, people listening might go, well, a gig for 12 people, that's easy. Sure. Madison Square Garden, that's hard. Radio City, that's hard. I would much rather do Radio same. City than... Me same. too, man. 12 this, people is... Impo- I once did it for some guy's birthday party and it was crazy hard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I've yes. done those too. But it was like... it was it, Yeah, very like isolated intimacy. And I said at one point, I was like, you guys aren't in on what this is supposed to be. Like you've ordered the show but didn't realize that you were an active participant. You didn't yeah. realize that I'm up here delivering and you're kind of just watching me as if I'm a flat screen. Yeah. Not recognizing that you are also part of the give and take of this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be, it's that thing where you go, it's why podcasts so successful now. It's that thing of like, People want to be in that conversation. I mean, it's a, it's a weird thing where sometimes people, you know, they try and buy something and they kind of, they're a bit too cool for school. They're yeah. not joining in. You're, like, eh. right. You're not getting anything out of this. You'll get yeah. out what you put in. Right. Do you feel like too with comedy, like podcasting and all that, how you started, how much has changed differently? And you feel like no desire to be like, oh, I, I have to do a podcast. I have to put crowd work clips up. Do you, you don't think about any of that I think stuff. it would, I think it would, uh, I don't think it works for everyone, but I think it would um, dilute my... The world ordered a comedian. Right. And I'm trying to be more stoic and just focus on that. Right. Just write jokes, write really good jokes and deliver them. And that's it. So the idea of going, when I'm on podcasts, I'm always like quite serious on podcasts. It's always like ends up being, that's a different side of me. Mm. And it's not as funny. And I think that thing of going, my my sort of superpower is being super funny for an hour once once a, once a, every year. Come and see me once a year. I'll tell you an hour of funny things. Mm-hmm. Right. Three hours a week isn't me. So it's a weird thing where you go, I think if I did that, it would, you become, I'd, yeah, yeah. You'd, the bar would get lower. Uh, for, and also I would start saying things before they were finished. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's that thing you, where I want to just work on the stand-up. I want to just be a stand-up. So even that thing of like trying to write other stuff, trying to do other things, you go, ah, may, maybe I want to, I don't want to give that much time or energy. Right. I want to just be better as a stand-up because that's all that people will remember. I mean, look at the greats, right? I'm, for, for my money, Chris Rock, Greatest comic of all time. Right. He was in like, look at his film roles. He's been in some pretty big movies, right? He's done really well acting and he's mm. a fine actor. He's very good. Right. No one cares. Right. He's right. a stand-up. Right, yeah. right, he's yeah, a fucking yeah. stand-up. Right. He's in like Fargo. He's amazing in it. He's like done so many great things. Yeah. I couldn't give a fuck about any of that. He's a stand-up. Right. Yeah. That's all I care about. That's all right. that, that's the thing. That's what the world ordered. Honor that. But you and Chris Rock came up during a different time so you're established I mean, he was way before me but i mean he's sure like, he's but you're an established great. famous funny comedian so do you mm. think your approach would be the same focusing solely on stand-up if you were to come up now with the, within this digital environment i think there's a there's a terrible sense now with uh people thinking that they've got to do it's 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 the it's the grass is always green the the, the idea of looking around and going well joe rogan's got 100 million people and yeah I, 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 why do you do that don't don't be the best. Be the only. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you could just be yourself. That's all you can be. That, well, here's me. I'm in a suit and a tie at eleven in the morning talking to you guys. Hosting it's, my show. Yeah, but it's <laughs> but it's a, it's a, like, I can just be me. I can't ever do you. Yes. And no one can do you. You're such a particular flavor. Right. Yeah. right I'm sorry. I don't know your work as well, but no, it's fine. Like, but your thing is like, I, it's such a unique voice. I just want to hear more of that. Yeah. And I want to hear you do stand up and tell more stories and yeah. and. You're, it feels like you're overthinking it. 
Well, I think I think the reason why I brought that up is to say with everything that we have to do now, like with, you know, or we feel we have to do podcasting and crowd work clips and all that. I started to think about, well, what do I actually want to do? And I and, and that's why somebody like my dad, sometimes it's better to not be like overly educated and just because my dad is all about coming from the gut. He's all about like from the gut. And he's like, I always thought this podcast because he's like, you know, comes from like a borderline criminal background. He's like, I always thought you were talking too much. I just always thought like, what are you fucking talking every week for hours? It seems stupid. He's like, I just, you're going to talk. You're going to say like he something. He thinks this guy's a snitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, they've got cameras in there, Chrissy. Yeah. He goes, they got you know, cameras in there. What is your producer? Is he doing the show? Is he pumpkin picking? We don't know. <laughs> and, and, then, and then, so, so, so I, I've been thinking about that a lot as well, because, you know, we have this, this is like, this is our, uh, ticket selling vehicle is the podcast, right? That's why we do it. That that that's why we all started doing it. it, it yeah, I, I don't mean, think some I, of don't, us- I don't think it is. I think the the stand up, the word of mouth, the you know, people come and see you the first time maybe because they seen you on a podcast. Oh, he seems like a nice guy. Maybe I'll oh, I listen to the podcast. I like that right. thing. But coming out, you're delivering a service, right? Yeah, everyone's got to serve someone, right? We serve the audience. So you come out, you paid your hard earned cash, you work a job, whatever you do. I always try and find someone in the audience, like if I'm doing a big show. But if I'm feeling a bit lazy, you start talking to someone in the audience, yeah. ask them what they do for a living, mm-hmm. and then work out how many hours they had to work to get here, get dinner, park the car, yeah. get the babysitter. Yeah. It's humbling. Oh, yeah. It's humbling. You go, all right, okay, well, I'm going to be as funny as I can. I'm going to put, put something into this. You look out, you go, you're offering an incredible service to people. Like you, oh, yeah. you, you do something really, really special. I think people come and see you the second time because you delivered the service. Mm-hmm. Right. Like everyone can like people come see you once. Yeah, yeah, nice. It's nice. Yeah, and no one ever shits on the evening that night. Yeah, it's like when you leave a movie. If you take your missus to a movie, you never kind of walk out and go, "Well, that was a waste of fucking time." It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's nice. Yeah, <laughs> like the next day, you might go. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you think about other people, like because, like you said, like it's easy for us, you know, all doing what we love to to get lost in like, oh, I got to go do another show. It's like, yeah, it's a fucking. You should be grateful because these people paid to see you. Whether they know you or not, yeah. they're they like you said, babysitters and li- and I always try to all my anxiety. I don't know if you guys are like this, but all my anxiety and all that it all happens before the show and on downtime. When I'm yeah. on stage, yeah. Yeah. I feel nothing but great gratitude, and I feel almost zero anxiety. Like, but is that like not the. I mean, look, there's there's two things there. There's like gratitude is the cure for everything. Mm-hmm. Gratitude is it seems to be the that thing of like, and it's not just gratitude in the okay, well, I get to play big shows now and I'm doing really well career-wise. No, we live in the sweet spot of history. Yeah. Right. We didn't come up 20 years later when we were looking at our phones the whole time and we got to be bored. Mm-hmm. And boredom is kind of the, the, uh, the, 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 it nurtures creativity. We had boring childhoods. There's yeah. nothing on TV. We just had to think about stuff and we had to entertain ourselves. And that's kind of something, a muscle that we've built. That's lucky. We live in the first world. If we were born in Venezuela, We'd be chasing cats to try and get some protein to eat. I mean, it's it's absolutely fucked. We live in a great place. We live in a great time. We've got lovely people around us, safety, security. You live in a world where what you can do, this very special particular skill is rated. Like it's luck on luck on luck on luck. It's it's fabulous. And then and then you go and actually and you're doing brilliantly in your career. And you're just, you're serving the people, but it's it's serving you. I mean, for my money, it's like, if you focus all your attention on stand-up, if that's all you do, that's so much the better. Yeah. That's I, the thing, that's, a, that, that's the hard thing that will pay off later. That's the thing that will, 
Yeah. That, that grows corn. Everything else is like a side issue. Right. So, so is that, so like- This you, is a side hustle. This is a great side hustle because I think it's very good for your mental health to talk yeah. and to, to chat and people really enjoy it. Yeah. And if There's you want to see more of that side hustle, go to patreon.com slash Christy Comedy. <laughs> Yeah. Dude, daily fantasy sports made easy. Look no other than prize picks. Okay. What I like about prize picks, Mike, is you don't even have to know much about sports to like, because there's so many people like sharks that just yes. like crush you at this. But prize picks takes that all away because what prize, prize picks is about, it's about their main thing is these combo projections that go across football and basketball from their specials league. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you got LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made plus receptions. You want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? Well, you can find well, you can now find that on Community Plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. It's pretty cool. That is cool. And Prize Pick even offers a reboot policy so that your your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured. But basically you get a new guy so you can feel free to bet on Anthony Davis. Yes, it's no problem at all. No problem at all. And with prize picks, dude, here's the thing. You know me when I say I'm a user and I'm using again, you know what that means. Prize picks. I'm using prize picks. I love prize picks. It makes sports to me like takes the mundaneness out of it and it just makes it really interesting. And again, you don't have to know all the ins and outs and angles of everything. It's just picking more than or less than. And as soon as you enter, boom, you can start winning right away. And go to prizepicks.com slash chaos. Use the code chaos for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash chaos. Use the code chaos for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize picks. Daily, daily fantasy sports, sports made easy. Uh, no, <laughs> but I think people like to support that. It's like yeah. going on the Patreon, right? And backing you on Patreon. It feels like it's a little bit like having a sports team. Yes. Yes. Yeah, this yeah. is my fucking guy. Yeah. This guy gets a Netflix special. I'm like, what? Yeah. yeah. I like, love the fact <laughs> they kept in the bit of the Netflix special where yeah. you went, fuck you, Netflix. I'm doing this myself. Well, they, well, they told me when, Nef, when, I, when we did it, you know, my, Mike was there when we, when, when we filmed this, whenever it was 18 months ago, mm. the Netflix people said, well, buy it. But of course, you have to cut out the Netflix stuff. And because of the beautiful people at Patreon and our YouTube yeah. and all that, I was like, I feel like... If I just put this on my YouTube, it would give me what I wanted, which is selling mm. tickets on the road and gaining more fans and making my mm. family's life easier. So I was like, I'm not going to change anything. And then Netflix was like, no, but we're Netflix. We're going to give you an opportunity on our platform. I was like, I respect Netflix. I really do. I love Netflix. Yeah. I love the Dahmer show. I love everything. <laughs> the Dictator's Guide to, Guide to a Dictator's oh, Playbook. Psyops. I love it all. I love it all. But I said, I don't want to change any of this because I, I respect you. But I said to the guy, I was like, I just don't feel like I need you because of the things that we have on the internet and they were like all right well then we'll just put it in as is and yeah. they and they and it give me any I love notes. It. I mean I loved it yeah I, I, I like that thing you said to me years ago it was when comedy central offered you an hour or half hour I think it was an hour uh the first one and it was like you went and then people were going no wait for HBO wait for Netflix and they went no no these guys want me yeah, yeah and yeah. there's a big lesson in life of like go where you're wanted yeah it wasn't like as like young men are often like pining after oh, I really like this girl mm -hmm. and she doesn't she's giving you nothing back well, walk away Right. Go where you wanted in life. That's it. We'll go where people want to see you. Yep. Yeah. Like that thing. It's like it's a weirdly simple thing, but you go, yeah, this is powerful. Oh, I mean, yeah. My big thing do you do much internationally? Do you do much outside I've, of the US? I, no, just a little. The first UK run I did was just last year. You got to do more, man. You got to get it. Because it's a weird thing where it's gone global. 
Right. Like stand-up is really global now. And thanks to Netflix, thanks to YouTube, it's like the biggest TV channel in the world is YouTube. Yeah. And and, and they absolutely stole everyone's lunch. You know, ABC thought the competition was NBC. No, mm. dummy. Yeah. No, it's the phone. <laughs> yes. And people are watching it and they're watching what they want to watch. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like there's no network executive making a decision about, oh, Chris, you can't wear those trainers with that top. It's like, no, no, just this is fine. This is fine, yeah. Because with the UK, you'll do like arenas, right? In the UK, like you get. I don't really do. I I've just put some arenas on sale. I do like I've started doing them elsewhere. I did them in Canada and Australia because, like, on those trips, there wasn't enough time, so we could sell more tickets. So we wanted Mm. to do some some bigger shows. But in the in the I mean, arenas are interesting because it really feels like it's an event. Mm -hmm. It's often like it's a. It's almost like it, the atmosphere is everything. I think you could go and not speak the language and enjoy a comedy gig in an arena. <laughs> right. Well, especially like, with your delivery, because there's such a beginning and an end to each joke. It's all and, yeah. and it's very rhythmic. It's a, so it's easy to kind of get caught up in the in the way that you word things and deliver it. And in a big space like that, where some comics have a tough time when they're more like stream of consciousness, so they don't know how to take it slow or stop for beats well, the, or whatever. The, the secret source of the arena is the sound guy. There's mm-hmm. a sound guy in Australia called Oysters, and when I play the arenas in London, I'm flying him in. Okay. He's that good at. EQing is because the, the sound is everything. Mm-hmm. And if you get that right, even with quite, I mean, I've got very good diction. So his name like, is Oysters, or you say his name is Oysters? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> his name is Oysters. <laughs> okay. He's just boned up all the time. I thought you meant yeah, he's he's oysters. Oysters. <laughs> he's supposed to eat oysters before the sound. No, the polishes off half a dozen oysters, does his gig. He's called, what's he called, Oysters? Yeah, anyway. He's just a great sound guy. But that thing of like those big rooms, like getting that, the simple shit. Yeah. But it's, you know, that. Um, yeah, the, the arena, I mean, comedy's big at the moment. I mean, I would say there's more comics that could fill oh, an yeah. arena than musicians now. Totally. Because the thing with music is people have just gone to the, you know, if you're on Spotify, who said this? I think it was like Jarvis Cocker or Pulp or something like music is now like a scented candle. Yeah. Like I'm a huge music guy, I'm like a big record collector. I think a lot of comics have got that thing. And now I have a record on, I won't even know who's singing. Yeah. Right. I feel Ambiance. ashamed. Yeah, it becomes like the oh, I put on the Spotify playlist. Everything's good. Well, who is it? I don't know. Right, right. it's terrible. But with comedy, people really like that. Mm-hmm. It's it seems like an easier world to, and it's such a special thing. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, there's who said this? Neil Brennan did a talk at Montreal when we were up there, and the thing where he said there's sixty thousand brain surgeons in the world. How many people would you trust to do a hour long special? maybe 50 yeah yeah. maybe if we're being we'll say 100 but 50 if we're being honest (laughs) right it's a good point i mean and what a what a rarefied air we're breathing and i I mean you talk about gratitude and i think what people see too like what i've always been drawn to you and always been a fan of you because another thing my mom always said is the passion the money comes second passion first money second so when i started doing stand-up it was because passion i just love to make Mm. people laugh and i love the way i felt and i feel like you're passionate about this craft yeah how many hours specials you have how many jokes you write like you can't just go up there and wing it sometimes we i tell stories it's like oh i can have not all of the bits Mm. worked out and get by on like you know charisma Charisma, you know you don't you can't i don't think you're getting by on charisma (laughs) i think i think you're getting by on charm charm (laughs) right what's the difference you think between well i've got a whole theory on this oh i've spoken about so uh that charm and charisma uh they get conflated in our society but i think they're very different right so i think uh charm is i come to you charm is obama head to the side welcome we'll meet in the middle i'll tell you what's going on it's gonna be great Mm -hmm. okay um charisma is you come to me 
So Obama, very charming. Yeah. Right, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to find a compromise. We're going to do something. Trump, very charismatic. Whatever your politics. And you said it was more like Obama or Trump? You, you're much more Obama. You're, you're much more. <laughs> much more Trump. But I mean, uh, the other, uh, if you want, uh, Angelina Jolie is sure. incredibly charismatic. Yeah. Uh, she's on a pedestal. People are gazing. They're uh, incredible. And Jennifer Aniston is uh, very charming. Right. They both get to fuck Brad Pitt. They sure There's do. There's no better worse. It's just knowing what you're... I've got zero charm. Mm-hmm. I'm quite cold on stage. I mean, as uh, you know, it's not how you are in life. It's like how you are on stage. You go, well, actually, I'm playing on that charisma thing. It's interesting to know what you are right? yeah. because you kind of play into that. So you go, yeah, you don't need to have things worked out because people you're on stage, you're so kind of... Uh, your vulnerability. Right. Like you're a big Hulk and you look like a fucking New York fireman. But there's something about the... <laughs> there's something about the vulnerability... That's very, because you're saying these things that are quite kind of um, incredibly open. Yes. But it's the, it's the instrument. It's the fact that you're saying it with your voice. Right. It's like you go, well, guys like that don't talk about those things. Yeah. And it's very, I think that's why people really warm to you and go, well, this guy's so authentic. Yeah. And so kind of, I, I could listen to you just talk about what you did today. It's just, it's very charming. But, but, did, but did you, I appreciate that. Did, did you... Um, know who you are from the beginning or how, how did you come up with this like when your first year of jimmy carr was it just these types of jokes and formatting yeah. as no always? i think it was like it, yeah it, it came out like i was able to write jokes i, I write more stand-up now i kind of write a little bit of stand-up and but jokes is really the thing i'm known for so i'm i'm, I'm starting to kind of teach that now i'm starting mm-hmm. to um i'm writing this stand-up course so we're doing like we're doing the the beta test down in we're going to joe rogan's club in november december and teaching the guys there a joke writing kind of methodology oh cool um but it's it feels like that's the thing that i bring to the party and then i can do a bit of stand-up as well right but that's yeah it, i don't think you choose your sense of humor i think it chooses you right. like from a whether you're a comic or whether you're an audience member you don't choose what make, it's like your taste in food or your um what preferences sexually mm-hmm. some people like it spicy some people like BDSM and some people like very vanilla, mild, beige food. Like, you don't choose it. It chooses you. Yeah, right. And you go, my sense of humor is, I, I love, like, guys like Billy Connolly, who's like, our oh, George Carlin, like, mm-hmm. storytellers. I always thought, oh, beautiful. Love that. Yeah. It's uh, not really my thing. Yeah. I'm very short one-liners. Emo Phillips, uh, Stephen Wright. Yeah. Uh, but those are, Amer- those are American comics. Yeah, Did was- you get pushback <laughs> when you started? Because I think like, as, or, as far or, as I'm familiar, like UK comedy is very long form story. There's a big payoff at the no, end. No, no, there's, there's, there's like, there's guys like, um, uh, who would have been around Tim Vine and, uh, Milton Jones. And there's, there's guys doing one liners, mm-hmm. uh, everywhere. I mean, it's quite old school to do jokes. Yeah. Now yeah. feel it's quite sort of, um, oh, it's a joke. It's like, oh, okay. But you go, but everyone's doing jokes. Yeah. It's it's the degree to which you're dressing them up. So when you tell uh, you know an incredibly charming story that hap- that's true, it's got beats along the way. Yes. It's just they're hidden. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I I I think too, you know, like with when you, you know, writing your um jokes and all that, like the the degree do you ever get like in your head where you're like all you can think is in everything in your life is just like in joke format all the time like this ability to like turn it off is sometimes very difficult for comics where I get yelled at a lot by my girl where she's like, is everything f- funny to you? And I'm like, I'm trying to make the kids laugh. Like I, I want the kids to, that's all I can feel like I can present to them is I can't yeah. build anything. You're the one that, that builds stuff and has the mustache. <laughs> <laughs> but Puerto Rican. But, but that thing of going, look, it's yeah, but it's, 
it's a great way to see the world. Yeah. It kind of enlightens things. It's also that thing of like, you talk about anxiety. For me, I try and see the positive in it. I'm very positive about life, but you go, the anxiety is your mind whirring, right? Mm -hmm. Your anxiety is just when you're not writing jokes. Right. It's the same mind that gave you everything, that gave you all of the funny stories, that, that ability to see things in a funny way and tell the great stories. That was the an anxious mind. Yeah. Because it's constantly going at that, it's revving at that speed. And sometimes at four o'clock in the morning, you'll wake up and catastrophize and think about what's the worst thing that could happen and have that feeling. Well, that's, but it's, you know, take one with the other. Right. It's that, fine. That happened to me this morning. I, I swear. Too. 4 a.m. I woke up today and I felt like, it's over. I did not know where this feeling was coming from. So I just now, like I used to like burden my family with that, burden my girlfriend yeah. with that, burden my mother with that. But I feel like there is some type of like steeped inherent narcissism involved in anxiety where it's like, me, what about my blood pressure? And so I, I'm very aware of like, hey, not everything's about you, man, especially being a father. Like you got to you only have a finite amount of energy each day. You can't be using all your energy on worrying about if you're going to have a heart attack, you need to, you know, take care of your kids. But this morning it just hit me and I got up and I don't know why this, why I decided to do this, but I iced both my ankles and I felt better. Isn't that <laughs> yeah. weird? No I just kidding. put ice packs on my you know, ankles and it took away my anxiety. Can I grab a water? You got a water. The, uh, it's, no, we don't. I don't think we're, I think we're out of water. Okay. Check. Yeah, check. I can, I have, I can so, run outside. Another... He could, he could run, <laughs> walk, walk, walk at a pace. He maybe don't run. He lumbers. Um, but that thing of like, it's interesting that thing of oh your eyes, your ankles, because that thing of like therapeutically, right? Like software problems, hardware problems, right? Mm. Everyone, we're talking about software problems, anxiety, depression. You know, we talk about all this stuff. It's very healthy to talk about because often it's a hardware problem. Fix the hardware. Yeah. So you go have a cold shower, go for a run. Yeah. Go to the gym. Do that change. Fit, eat better. That thing of like, deal with the hardware thing and see how you feel. Because right. it's that loop, isn't it? It's that loop of like, how you are physically affects how you think, affects your mood. It's kind of the virtuous or vicious circle, depending on how you Has this it. mindfulness always been a part of you or is this something you've come to? Like, because what I, I've taken countless doses of mushrooms to get to even a glimpse of what you're talking about in terms of yeah. just gratitude, presence, being, you know, the type of person that you want to be authentic to each other. Yeah. How, how did you come to this place? Are you in therapy? That's a good question. Man. Right. Thank you. Nice. He's doing well. Yeah. I was, want a show. Yeah. Want a show. You yeah. could go now. No one, no one's expecting another good one. <laughs> yeah, I, wrote, it open. Uh, I wrote a book about it. I wrote a book called, like, in the lockdown, right? Everyone, uh, our managers want you can't be on the road. Mm. You can do a podcast or write a book. And I took the gentleman's route. And I wrote a book. <laughs> and I wrote this book before and after, which was like, they wanted, the publishers wanted an autobiography. And mm. I, I gave them a self-help book. Yeah. I kind of did... Eckhart Tolle for dummies. Awesome. Oh, cool. Uh, which is, so I've always like had an interest in that. I kind of got into comedy because I was like in my mid-20s just working for a big company going, this is some nonsense. Yeah. I don't want any of this. That was the marketing for I the... Find, yeah, it was in an yeah, oil yeah. company or whatever. Boring. But the got out of it and got into comedy and, and found something that I kind of love doing. That thing of like finding, finding, what do you find easy that everyone else finds mm -hmm. hard? It's interesting to kind of go to that because people listening to this won't necessarily want to get into comedy. But everyone kind of wants that thing of going, well, what do I find easy that other people find hard? Right. So the, the weird thing that we all have is like getting up and talking in front of people is nothing to us. No. It's so easy. Whereas other people are like having uh, so stressed. It's nothing. But that thing of like, we can't even see it. Right. Because it comes naturally. Well, that thing of being the only one, not, you know, not about being first, just being the only one is a much better place to be is that's huge, great advice for any profession that you're doing to like try to just find 
do something different is huge. And a lot of times, you know, people always ask me, the one thing I learned with embarking on a career in entertainment, and if you do anything that's not just, oh, I'm a teacher, I'm a cop, I'm like a regular neighbor job, it was the people who were closest to me who had the least faith in me in the beginning because they love you so much. And they would be like, no, please don't take a chance on your life. Please don't try to do something different because you had a good job and you had, you can have health benefits here. And I realized that where I was like, oh, there's a lot of like people that like love you that like you kind of have to like say no to in the beginning. Be like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this my way, mom. But the, the good is the enemy of the best. Yeah. You could have a really good life and it's enough. And it's, and there's that weird paradox, isn't there, where you go, yeah, be grateful. Hey, we've all got our health. We could be working in the 7-Eleven and we should be grateful. We've got kids, we've got nice girls. We got, Listen, we're, we're, we're happy, healthy, living in this world. There's no war here. Great. But it's not enough. Right. We want so much more than that. I don't think the idea of gratitude like takes away from ambition mm-hmm. or uh, has to. Yeah. And I think that ambition is like, I want to be better than I was last year. Yeah, And that thing of like being a stand-up, it's like, I really noticed the difference this year of like, I did new jokes at every show. Mm-hmm. So from January to now, I did like five to 10 new full, jokes. Oh, okay. I was going to say a full Every single set. show. Wow. Like, so at the end of 90 minutes or uh, or two hours, if it's a, just one show a night, I do get out a piece of paper and just do new jokes. And it forces you to write every day and it forces, and it's a ball break. Mm-hmm. It's awful. At the end of it, you've got a new show. Right. So every single day you write, seven days a week. No, it's like I, I write when I, uh, my thing is I edit uh, probably once a day, go through the stuff that I've thought of, but you're constantly just writing down anything you think is like, oh, it's yeah. an interesting phrase or that's a nice turn or there's there's something in that. Yeah. So I'm constantly like throwing it in. And then I've been writing a book about writing jokes, which naturally makes you kind of, okay, how many joke types are there? How many different things are so it just makes you kind of work that muscle and when you write the book you're writing it you don't have a ghostwriter. no no i've got two two friends that i work with uh that we because we we couldn't decide how to do it i don't think a book's the right medium mm-hmm. i often think the medium's the thing so you go you write a book about writing jokes comics will buy it and then not read it right, <laughs> right? So, and, and it's very low value so you go if it's 10 bucks people go ah, it's, ah whatever you could have the secrets of the world in there and it's like it's yeah. not Right. Right. So I think it's probably an online course. I think that's like the a master class thing. I think like yeah. that, yeah. But I'll, I'll just own it and just go. Well, I'll do this and sign people up, and you go. And the price point needs to be higher because it needs to be that people go. This is a value. This is right. Because I think it's, I think it's really good. I think like the initial courses that we've taught have been really mm-hmm. like people are doing uh, writing ten jokes a day, sixty jokes a week, yeah, and they're just leveling yeah. up really quickly. I'm, so I'm sure you don't, but there have been examples of this in the states where, like, comics have done this. Kyle Cease famously kind of started this comedy boot camp thing, and then he got killed by Doug Stanhope and a bunch of other comedians who have said, "You can't teach comedy. You're bilking these young open micers out of money." Does any part of you think of that, like, of the perception of you teaching a class of yeah, you I mean, teaching the if, math of I jokes? Think if, uh, if it doesn't grow corn, we won't sell it. Mm. So that's why we're going to Joe Rogan's club to, we're doing a month between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, with the, I mean, have you been to the mothership? Yes. Not yet. It's unbelievable. It's, it's great, unbelievable. Great place. It's like a guy with infinite resource built a comedy club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's so phenomenal. And it's, it's like he's giving, that's his way of kind of giving back, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. his thing, right? Yeah. You, know, you go, you get to a certain level, you want to kind of do something so to be a dick but that thing of like going teaching the course it's not really to bilk people out of money sure i'm doing great yeah i think yeah. a lot of people that have done comedy courses in the past yeah all due respect yeah who right right 
But what? What? The, I, what like, so you go, okay, so I've got a certain reputation as, and I'm known as a guy that writes jokes. Yeah. So you go, well, taking that and going, could I teach that? You go, well, yeah, I think you, I think you could. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't grow corn, if it's not great, if people don't come away from it going, oh, I'm doing 60 jokes a week. How many new acts do you know that write 60 jokes a week? None. Yeah. And they, it's their job. Yeah. It's their dream. And anything that's not doing the thing, the fuck are you doing? People right. talk about comedy a lot. They talk about the one-man show they're going to write. But they're yeah. not writing jokes. And it's all built of jokes. Yeah. And like, even if you've got funny stories, you go, well, what funny story wouldn't benefit from five one-liners within it? Mm-hmm. And, right. and then narrative arc and knowing the performance thing and knowing what rate to speak at and the performance. So I'm working with this lady, Amanda, who helped me on. So the book that I wrote, which was kind of a self-help yeah. autobiography. And she sort of helped me direct the book. So I wrote it and she was like, okay, so what, what, what's this about? What are we doing? What are, so she helped with the stand-up shows as well. Like having a director for the last two specials has been unbelievable. Are you integrating any of the self-help stuff into the joke writing or is no. it completely separate? No, it's a, it's a totally... Mm. The, the joke writing thing is just like going, it's, look, there's these joke types. There's this way of performing. This is the beats per minute that you should be hitting. It's like, it's really, you know, it's, it's, not, for, it's not for people that consume lots of comedy. It's for people that really... Right. This is my life. I'm going to do it. I'm working on the door. This is my shit. Cool. So do you think, too, because you've just recently... How, how old is your child? I got a, a one and a half and a uh, five? Four. Five. Four. Four-year-old four. four four and, and one and a half. half. So, giving you the aggregate. So most of your... Seriously, there's no water? I can't get no. water? <laughs> there's no water here. Oh, wait, I'm if sorry. I, if it, I leave, there's nobody running anything. What do you think you're doing? I'm, I'm what, what? No, because when you say running Do things, yes. what, but when I'm, you say running things, though, I'd love to know what you think. I'm, I'm running the audio that you're speaking into. Right? Yeah, yeah. but it's on, right? Yeah, it's just on. don't turn it off. <laughs> it has to, somebody has to monitor it. Do you want me to look at it? Mm-hmm. I'm kidding. I don't know. I <laughs> uh, you were talking about the importance of sound before. <laughs> the importance of sound. Yeah, you were talking about how important that was. I'm I'm ma- oh, from oysters. I imagine. I imagine if he's. If he's, uh, this is our oysters. Yeah, yeah. This is him. This it's is who we got. It. You have oysters. We have Vito. Um, I'm sorry. Can we just got a few more minutes, and then we'll. Get no, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Spit I'm good. his mouth. Somebody hydrate him. I have the last. I have no, the no. Last I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Sit, I sit, can sit. go get you water. No, you can just sit. You're fine. I, I, would love I to can't believe I can't believe what a nickel and dime operation this is. I know. I genuinely. I'm sorry. You see, no, I told you we're not doing well. No, I'm kidding. No. So. Because as a, you know, majority of your career, you found insane success without, you know, being a father. And we have a segment, because we're dads, we have, you mm. know, we have a segment where we ask for parenting tip, but we call it Call Him Daddy. And, and, and we, you know, I always wanted to, I want to know, you know, for you now, like doing comedy and, and, and having this big career, how do you justify or how do you, in your head, about leaving the kids and then, you know, still like living your dream and doing what you do and, and not really needing the money as much, you know, or, or I would assume I'd say and that, leaving the kids like how do we because that's a constant battle we have here. So think, what okay. do you do? Okay, a couple of things, because you mentioned it earlier, the money thing. And like it's a, there's a weird thing where when did you make it as a stand up? That's because, where my fraudulent behavior comes okay. from, because I'm so, like, where do what is that? There's no barometer. No, I think there is. Oh, really? OK, I think there is. I think uh, I made it in. Oh, Jesus like 25 years ago, whenever the, I was at the comedy store in London, mm-hmm. which would be kind, not quite the seller, but it's a good club, right? And playing that, I was getting paid like 200 bucks a show. And I was doing like three shows on a Saturday, three shows on a Friday. 
and I could live off that. Mm. I could live off my jokes. That is success. If you're doing comedy and you're making money doing comedy, even if you have a side hustle that you've got on, congratulations, you made it. If this is about money, you're in the wrong business. If it's about money, you should be on Wall Street trading. You should be a hedge fund manager. There are better ways to make money. That comedy is not the like that thing. If if that's the metric, what are you judging this on? Mm-hmm. If you're judging it on money, you're in the wrong fucking business. Right. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? It's like there's that thing of like going, "What do you want?" It's like that thing of like, "Well, you made it." Well, what's the important thing? Well, I just want to make people laugh more. I want to do a better show. I want to be a better comic. And how you measure that? It's 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 however you want to measure it. Right. It's what's the what's important to you? What's the meaning of life? Well, you decide. But it's good to make a decision. Right. For me, it's like it's that thing of like you can I can just tell when a show is is better, is tighter, has more in it. Like I just recorded the new special. You kind of go, I'm really pleased with that. I'm really pleased with the way that turned out. That's exactly my sense of humor. But mm-hmm. so like so like this, because you know, you've obviously, you know, very loving parent, you know, you love your kids, it's a new thing in your life. Do you do you feel like even now, like are your is your family with you or your children with you right no, now? On this no, trip? on this trip. So on this, I'm doing like the so the tour of America is in like five blocks, and I could be away for about twelve days. 12, oh, okay. day, 12 days is about right for me. But I feel like I I feel like we have a very lucky life because I work in, I work, you know, even if I'm doing two shows, I work four hours a day. Yeah. Right? Not a lot. No. And I've got the days with the kids. Uh, so being in, in the night, most people work during the day and then they got the nighttime, they're home. But, you know, dad or mom, if it's a traditional household, it might be dad gets home at seven in the evening or mom gets home at seven in the evening. Kids are in bed. Yeah. yeah. And then they're up and out the door at eight, they miss the morning. So that thing of like, I'm around in the afternoons. I can go and do stuff with the, you know, I can be around. So you're leaving for 12 days. It's not like, oh my God, I'm missing everything in my kid's life. You're like, because when I get back home with them, I make it all count you're and there. I'm there with them every day. Well, that thing of like, the big parenting tip is uh, put your phone away and be present. I treat like time with the kids like meditation. Mm. I'm terrible at meditation. I like tried it. I was like, uh, always feel like a bit of a fraud doing meditation. But that thing of when you're with your kids, you're, you're so present. Yes. There's a lovely thing of just being present with the kids and just being kind of in it. And right. it's nice. And you kind of, you're a different person. You don't know who you're going to be as a father. I didn't want to be a father for the longest time because I didn't want to be my father. Mm. And then you become a father and go, oh no, I'm going to make totally different mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never going to be that guy. I'm going to make totally different mistakes <laughs> yeah. over here. But it's like, it's lovely. That thing of like, you find a different voice. Yeah. Do you still, because I have a... Like that thing of like stand up, uh, that thing of like your voice on stage. You, yep. That comes to you you don't really decide that's who you are and then you're on a podcast chatting like this i'm always quite serious on podcasts mm-hmm. it's who i am but then as a father you're like a, it's a different thing right yeah. so you become it's like the the chair that you're sitting in kind of affects who you are I'm sorry <laughs> i interrupted you. no no i was i was just uh i don't even remember what i was going to say to be honest <laughs> the mushrooms yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm on so mushrooms right now so what are you, are you microdosing are you no no i don't i take a big i take a big dose maybe like once a year is as if i'm away from my family and responsibility list and then i can kind of go deep within myself and try to find because oh i remember now so does any part of you i have a similar <laughs> i have i have a an odd relationship with my father we've just kind of now uh reconnected in our speaking because he's you know a grandfather of some sorts but do you find ever while you're parenting some of those some of those natural inclinations to be your dad and then you have to check yourself in the moment or are you just like completely slate clean you're not him at all no so i'm a a, a different kind of different kind of guy yeah but but that thing of like going you know the role the the father figure thing i think i haven't seen my father in, in a lot of years but that thing of going having father figures mm-hmm. is very important. Yeah. And I think that thing of like comedy kind of gives you that. 
I think there's a lot of like guys when we're coming, like it's that the elders are, are there for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, you know, and they, thankfully, you know, podcasts now, people are talking a lot. So you're kind of listening to stuff and there's a lot of kind of wisdom out there. Like it's who you look up to. Like the father figure doesn't need to be the, your biological father. Yeah, right. You know, it's, it's who you look to. And I think having a few of those in your life is, is pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. Like the people that you kind of, you look up to, or, you know, my mother died many, many years ago and uh, you go, but you, you don't lose the mother archetype from your life. You've still got someone that kind of fulfills that role. The older woman that's kind of wise and, and you, and you kind of want to impress. Yeah. Like who's the person in your life that you go, when you get the thing on Netflix that you go, well, who am I, who am I going to call and kind of go, oh, you know, I got a thing on Netflix. Mm. I'm pretty stoked about this. I'm playing Carnegie tonight. It's a big deal. Like you want it better that, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. I mean, I, um, I, uh, I think, you know, for me, I guess I would call when I got a big thing on Netflix, I called, I called my (laughs) ex-girlfriend. Um, look at what you could have won. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Could have won. Look, watch me now. You said I was going to be nothing. I'm something. Um, I, I, I think, you know, um, too, with like, Something, you know, getting to talk to somebody like you, because when you listen to the comments, like say on a YouTube or whatever, you know, that's what we grew up. The, you know, we started comedy when this thing, YouTube and all that was just happening. Right. Yeah. So so we're all products of this. So what happens is, is with the comments, it's really interesting for me to listen to you talk because when you you said it multiple times, I'm like, ah, you've said I don't I'm not funny on po- I'm not funny on podcasts. I'm more serious. I'm funny on the stage and I'm get more serious on podcasts. If humor comes out, which is a natural part of you, you always have a good quick joke. Yeah. Great. Cuz on the comments in when when in our life on a podcast what you'll hear is anytime like if I've done that, if I went on a, another person's podcast and just tried to talk naturally or or something I've read mm. or I love history, I'm obsessed with history, talk about something history, people be like this ain't funny. I don't want to hear this shit from you. This ain't funny. So then you start to automatically be like, oh, every time I'm on the camera then, because I'm a comedian, I have to be funny. But there are a lot of times where I don't feel like being funny. I just read something about, you know, you know, Native Americans and how they were tortured by Christopher Columbus. I'm like, I want to talk about what I learned and try to unpack that. If I can make a good fucking Native American roast joke, we'll do it. You yeah. know, I think that thing about the I think that's like with age, maybe like there's something about being a father or uh, turning 50 or whatever it is. You kind of go, OK, you're I'll 50. Just, yeah, but that thing of uh, <laughs> it's a band. Dude, no, I look so not, much not, older than you. No, brutal. Yeah, I should just, say he's... not all of me. <laughs> on, on, I, I would say if you took the aggregate, you know, take away the some of some of his hairs new, some of the teeth are new. Yeah, yeah. No, you look fantastic. But that thing of like going, oh, look, that way of going. Well, it's okay. Look, I'll, I'm going to be myself. I think reading the comments that way, madness lies. Yes, because it's it's. How many people comment? I've never commented on a YouTube video. Yeah. It would never occur to me to take the time to watch something and go, well, they need to know what I think. <laughs> like, no. ne- but, you know, but some people do. Some people, are, they're, they're in that world. They uh, you know, interact with technology in a different way to me. That's perfectly valid. But you go, you don't need to interact with that. You don't need that feedback. The only feedback you need is laughter. Right. Mm-hmm. On stage. <laughs> on stage. Well, this is like, we're, this, we're having, this, where are we at the moment? We're having a podcast. This is a conversation. Like conversations are naturally more serious than being on stage. I'm not being inauthentic on stage, but there's 3,000 people that paid good money and they want to laugh and I'm going to deliver that to them and they're going to leave this and they won't remember a word I said, but they'll remember how I made them feel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they'll come back again. All my shows are, every show is a sales pitch for next time. Right. Right. Every show is me. I mean, I never say it, but it's like, 
I'm back in two years. Yeah, yeah. You can yeah. buy tickets, right? I mean, yeah. that's, why, that's what YouTube specials are now. They're a living, breathing business card for your next tour. Yeah. That's what every clip is. All of it. It's all interactive advertising for next stop. And mm. you did a really smart thing. You put all your specials that you had already, you know, sold to networks on YouTube. And now they're just out yeah. for I, free. I, uh, I owned all the content. Smart. And I got that, that from, way before. Not smart. I mean, I got it from Elvis Costello. I remember said in an interview, I own my tapes. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to own my work. So I own all the specials pre-Netflix. Who I just learned, Elvis Costello got his name. He combined Elvis Presley and Lou Costello, and he came up with the name Elvis Costello. Just learned that this morning at breakfast with Colin Quinn. Oh, who I think is your dad. He, <laughs> <laughs> in, in my mind, I yeah. couldn't pay you a higher compliment than that. He's a genius. Colin yeah. is a genius. He's a, he's a genius, and he told me that this morning, and look at that. Look yeah. at that. You said it. Elvis, he was going to call himself Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yes. and he went with Elvis instead. But both at the time were like, these are sacrosanct. You can't possibly. Right. His biography is fantastic. Oh, yeah. No, really it, I, 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 I didn't know really even much about him, but Colin was just giving me a lecture today about him. And well, of course. Was spit of a potato course. in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> Colin is uh, he's so kind of well-read. We both, both are slightly obsessed by uh, Finnegan's Wake. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, and Colin, too, like just... Uh, as you mentioned, father figure, that's like that for me, you know, yeah, known him the for elders, yeah, the, the elders, 10 years. And it's all about, you know, tr- trusting your gut. He's all about like, you know, see, the thing is sometimes, you know, cause he's been doing this 35 years. He's, st- I was born in August of 1984. He started in like September of 1984. So he's like, I've been doing that. He always tells me, he's like, I've been doing this like your whole life. Yeah. He's like all these trends that you see, oh, the crowd work trend is specifically in stand up, the TikTok trend, anything in life that you see, he's like, you it's all there's been a tiktok maybe not we wouldn't call it that but he was like you know people used to get hot on sitcoms and then everyone wanted to do a sitcom people used to do a radio but fuck it all he was like you just keep staying true to do exactly what you want to yeah. do what's the great line that history doesn't repeat human nature repeats that's mm-hmm. it with the, with the same animals we're still you know we're still tribal animals that's our thing yeah i mean he shows us so fantastic amazing and he said it's all about you know the writing, writing and rewriting. And he'll, he'll always tell me, like, when I see him at the comedy cellar, I think I got, like, a good new story that I've put the five punchlines in or whatever. He'll be like, you know, working hard on that one. There's so much more. He goes, what, this is surface. He was like, he, he'll always tell me, he's like, you should call this hour surface. <laughs> You're not digging deep. But now, but then it's a compliment yeah. when he sees it recently and he's like, this is ready now. Now you've really dug deep the vulnerability. So he's a good barometer for me personally because he'll always tell me the truth. Uh, you know, uh, from what he thinks, you did know. You asked him to direct the show. I did, and he said no. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, that is. I'm sorry, I brought that up. I did. I asked him to say. I asked him. Uh, I actually asked him about a month ago, and he said nope. He said I don't want to do that at all. He said, but I will be there for you, and I will help you write anything you want. You can run anything by me, but I'm not directing it, which I respect. This podcast episode sponsored by BetterHelp. Thank you so much, BetterHelp. Love you. Listen. Mental health, we all need therapy, Mike. Yeah. Okay? For sure. Need it, love it. Better help is what I choose. You know, you could do it from the privacy of your own home. Okay? You get a licensed therapist. You fill out a questionnaire, brief questionnaire. Fill it out, and then you get paired up with a therapist that works for you. Have you been in therapy ever? I have, yeah. Yeah, I've been in person and I've done better health, which is actually pretty awesome because they have this whole like- Help, not health. That's better right. help. 
That's what I meant. Better help. Sorry. Better help. H-E-L-P. Help. 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 I have a fat tongue, which the insecurity of that was something I spoke about with the therapist that designated me. Yes. And your, yeah, your, your therapist said, Mike, he said, Michael. <laughs> His therapist was from Ireland. Michael, listen. Imagine that an Irish therapist that is just like, just suck it up. Just, <laughs> just suck it up, you Irish. The British are coming. Uh, so BetterHelp. So Mike's done it. I've done it. If you're thinking of starting online therapy, give BetterHelp a try. We're strongly urging our producer Vito to get into therapy. Won't do it. We're trying so hard to get him to do it. We're saying just fill out the brief questionnaire. Get matched with the licensed therapist. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Vito, you need it. So we're trying to get him in. I want you fans to rally around me to get Vito into therapy using BetterHelp. That's right. And it's the season of giving. And yes. why not give yourself the gift of mental stability? Yes. And right now, you can visit BetterHelp.com slash chaos to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash chaos. 10% off your first month. Hello Fresh, hola fresca for our Spanish speaking audience. Hello Fresh, America's number one meal kit dude. The Hello Fresh jazz made from HelloFresh sliders yeah. the other day, like cheeseburger sliders, these ranch cheeseburger sliders with like this tomato kind of thing. Dude, it was the best cheeseburger I've ever had in my entire life, and I helped make it, which I was like, I can't. HelloFresh makes you feel like you know how to yes. cook. Yeah. Because they I'm, break it down, the prepackaged portion ingredients, it's all right there, and you do it with your family. It's awesome. I'm about to order one of those hats just to flex in the house because Nicole just started doing this. My son has a specialized diet. He's a vegetarian inexplicably at four years old, but that presents a lot of challenges, and now with HelloFresh, we have so many options to choose from, and he actually enjoys taking part in the cooking so he doesn't have to grow up to be a non-cooking beta male like his father yes cruise a real veto so make hosting this holiday a joy rather than a hassle with the help of hello fresh market from crowd pleasing charcuterie boards by the way charcuterie boards is something that i did not have a taste for mm. at all i didn't ever even think about getting charcuterie boards now i'm all about charcuterie boards i'm all about cheeses and meats and the crackers have you always guys always been charcuterie I've, I've people i've been a big char guy my whole life Lunchable. Should we? Yes. yes. Lunchable wow. is a charcuterie board. Wow. Th that just changed my entire life. Venetia just blew our minds. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> well, get oh an my adult God. charcuterie board. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Chrissy Free and use code Chrissy Free for free breakfast, free breakfast for life. life. That's one breakfast item per box while subscription is act active. Oh, my God. That's it. Chrissy Free, baby. And as always, HelloFresh. America's number, number one, one meal, meal kit. kit. You have to say it with oh, me. Oh, sorry, I didn't. I think. Well, I had a thing where I got uh, my friend Brian directed. Uh, I, I directed the last special, um, like the shots. But I got my friend Amanda, who I worked with on the the writing course, to direct the live show. Right. So to go, okay, well, look, lose that gag. It's a great gag. Gets a big laugh. But you've done three pullback reveals already, so it's gone. Mm. Right. You've, you know, that's a rule of three. You, no. We've had too many. So that thing of like balancing the joke types, balancing yeah. the performance, maybe upping the performance a little bit more. That Because naturally I kind of, I gravitate to, well, if the writing's good enough, just say the words. Right. It's a magic spell. Uh, say these words, people will laugh. And you go, but actually, you know, putting a bit more into the performance, which I kind of, because sometimes I see someone and they've got no material. And they've yeah. got like, I always get annoyed with comics when they go, I don't like that comic. 
it's subjective. It's, it's, it's your, this is your fucking job. You're not in the audience. You're, yeah. you're a fucking comedian. Yeah. What? You don't like it. The fuck, fuck you. It's like a musician going, I don't like that cellist. No, they're really fucking good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but sometimes we would know material that just have delivery. I'm like in awe of. Mm. Yeah. Like, wow, that guy, that guy's got a long way on one tank of gas. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You see a fucking Netflix special, the guy's got four jokes. You go, wow. Yeah. That's some fucking performance. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and you go, well, I need to work on that. That's a muscle I need to kind of uh, build a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, that thing of like Collins, th- those kind of one man shows of like going, that's the thing that people, that's where all the focus has been. Yeah. That's all anyone should care about. Right. Right. So any of the, any of the stuff that distracts him from that. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, like he he's, you know, he, he would always tell me, and this is good advice, I think, too, even outside of comedy. He was like, you know, one of your problems is you're always looking to hit a home run. You're always looking for like, what is the funniest, craziest thing that happened to me today? He goes, no, dude, I want to hear about the stuff your dad said that's so mundane. I want to hear hmm. about just some side piece. He was like, and then you build from there. Because, you know, he was like, you, I, he was like, I think we have this thing in our head. And this is just in life where like you think like you have to be so out of the box wild for people to listen to you in this in this oversaturated world where, you know, like I just did Howard Stern for the first time ever two weeks ago. And Colin found you saw it because he's he still listening to Howard Stern every day, Colin. And he was like, don't uh, don't go in there and try to be outrageous. Do not do that because you think it's Howard Stern. And the only way I'll stick out is be outrageous and fucking pull your ass all out. Don't do that. He was like, just be calm. Don't call him that. Sorry. <laughs> the, the, yeah, it was it's good a, advice about life in general. Like, you don't have to be so yeah, outrageous to stand out. Well, it's interesting, that thing of like, uh, if you sort of think about Mitch Hedberg or Aziz Ansari, that thing of like the comedy of small things. Like when you, you know, went, went to a store, went to a bus yeah. station, I was buying cigarettes, whatever the, t- the tiny thing is, a lot of their stories kind of revolve around those tiny interactions yeah. and building that into something. It's quite an interesting kind of comedic thing to talk about. It's the, the, the triviality, the mundane that you're stepping back for, from and seeing with a kind of a wider lens right? and the, the, ridiculous of, the ridiculousness of everything. It's, uh, yeah, because you've got kind of a unique way of looking at things. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, we're we're both like, you know, New York guys. We look like we know how to build stuff and are tough guys, and we're both little pussies. Um, <laughs> that don't know how to build or do anything. And um, what's the what's the thing of uh, that, that kind of masculinity is really interesting. That You keep coming back to that as like a theme. What do you mean? Like how I have no masculinity? But no, but that, as an ongoing theme of like the, the you're not a, uh, a New York cop or a firefighter or a, and it feels like, ah, so I guess I'm not a real man. Exactly, because I come from the neighborhood, the neighborhood I was from, deep, deep New York, where everyone was cops or firemen, you know, father, very tough guy. And I wanted to pursue a career yeah. as a, either a history teacher or now follow a dream in art form, which is just, you know, both sides are gay. For my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. They're both, yeah, but, but all of our friends are in union. Thematically, yeah. for what's the next show about? Right, like thematically of like being a man. What's a man in the in the in the world? Because there is. It's also like that's a. It's an interesting thing to talk about because there is kind of a crisis of masculinity. Sure, going away, young men are like the you know suicide rates through the fucking roof. Right, to get too depressing, but you go because they sort of don't know they haven't got role models. Right, so a lot of young men don't have um, Colin Quinn. Right, to go and talk to like a right. real proper man. Right, great guy. Yeah, no, very it's... comfortable in in what he does. Great kind of energy off him. Great. True. Nothing yeah. toxic about him. I mean, the problem with toxic masculinity is like, you know, uh, be a gentleman, be a mensch. There, we fixed it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Who do you, do you have a mentor? Like a um, co- comedy mentor? Comedy wise, uh, I suppose I've got, I've got lots of people that I look up to. No one that I really, no one that knows they're my mentor. Mm. 
but there's people that I watch and just try and kind of get stuff from them. So, I mean, it's, it's, um, right. but I'm friends with a lot of guys that I, I would regard as my, my heroes. Yeah. Like to, to me, when I think, and I mean this, like when I think of like the British comedy and I said this to them, they agreed. It's like you and Ricky Gervais are like the British from, at least in America, where I'm like, Oh, you know, it's Jimmy Carr and Ricky Gervais. These are like the British comics. Do you get along with Ricky? Well, you guys close friends. Uh, we sort of started off together. We did our kind of first oh. Edinburgh show together and we, we hadn't seen each other for years. We kind of reconnected last year. Uh, a bit of a text. Yeah, we text each other, kind of, you know, chat on the phone from time to time. Yeah, he's a pretty good guy. Yeah, I love, because, uh, you know, good, I... Good special. I mean, he's kind of, he's like, with all the opportunities he has and all the stuff he can go and write and do as many sitcoms as he wants, keeps coming back to stand-up. Mm, it's right. like the purest form. That that feedback loop is so yeah. fabulous. I think we have the best job in the world. Yeah. Because really now, if someone said to you, do you want a network TV show or a podcast i don't know i i think it's high agency right. having a podcast you're your own boss yeah i remember when when louis got canceled bill burr saying well I, i'm i'm okay i'm a stand-up i got a podcast what are they going to do take away my garage yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop like they, me from performing in a like shopping having mall no um you're being canceled kind of I, i'm very edgy on stage and that thing of like you slightly worry about it and then you go well why are you worrying because it's the, the 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 nature of that is you go, it's only your gatekeepers. They can fuck with your gatekeepers. So if mm-hmm. the TV channel that you work with goes, we can't work with you anymore. You said a terrible thing. Yeah. You okay. But you don't you don't want to have too much control. You want the uh, the locus of control within you. You want to be yeah. and this you have the locus of control. Stand up, you have the locus of control. Yeah, it's it's not like when you do a, a joke that you know is cancelable that you know the the BBC or whatever wants to cancel you. It's not like the fifteen thousand people in the arena got up and walked out when they heard that joke. No, but it's they often that thing of like every time I get cancelled, then there's been a number of occasions. The next time you get out on stage and two thousand people go nuts, you go, oh. they love it. But then that thing of like our society, the press, the papers uh, want to conflate what they say, public opinion, and Twitter X. They think it's all the same thing. Yeah. No. X is like 3% of people are on it posting and they're lunatics. A lot of them are lunatics. Some of them are great, whatever. And then public opinion is a different thing. People like you, they don't like you. The press is a whole other thing. It's very different. I would imagine every time you've gotten canceled, your audiences have grown because, right? I mean, people, because you're not a bad person. The thing is, cancelable for me is like, well, we have, you know, laws so it's like if you get arrested because you've done something wrong, it's like, okay, that's – but even then, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, you know, I guess because I had a lot of family members that would go in and out of jail. It's like if, if, if you commit a crime, like Bill Cosby is an example, crimes, heinous, of course, whatever, but he paid his debt to society. We, we put him in jail, you know, this jury of his peers, whatever he got, and now he's out. And it's just the laws of law. So he should be back in society. We're the we're a culture where it's like you just leave a person in jail forever. Then if they're if they're dead, done forever, mm. then don't ever let them out. Well, it's it's that thing of like we cannot forgive what we cannot punish. Right yeah. is often the thing. Like some sometimes people get counseled for something, and there's no there's no jail time. There's no crime. The police don't investigate. Right, but they got they get counseled, and it's like it's not a good look. Yeah. It's like the optics are bad. And the problem with our world now is everything's happening at the same time. Right. So someone that got canceled 10 years ago, what's happening? It's happening right now. Right. Go on the internet, Google it. It's still happening. Used to be it was in the paper and then the paper went. Right. People kind of forgot over time. And now they're constantly reminded. So right. you're kind of canceled forever. And there's no due process is gone. I mean, the, the Cosby case is interesting because the due process is out the window with uh, cases of sexual assault because 
the conviction rate is so low, the reporting rate is so low, they've effectively decriminalized sexual assault. And you go, well, that's a huge problem because I don't like the idea of uh, trial by media. But I tell you what, it's better than nothing. (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah. And at the moment, nothing seems to be the option. All the women in our lives have stories. Every single woman you talk to has got a story. And it's something's got to change in that. Almost a better example yeah. of paying your time, like serving your time and coming back into society is Michael Vick. Is like so. No, he my example is better. <laughs> no. No, but I'm no, the sense that he was like he got rehired into the organization that he yeah. was banished from, and he still. Some people wanted to welcome him back. They brought up the point of he served his time. That is the point of jail. That's yeah. why people go away, and then he comes back, and we're supposed to kind of reintegrate him. But then other people are like, "No, we need you to serve serve this time till you're dead." It's one of the things. You know, listen, I'm an atheist. Do you know Michael Vick, by the way? The the, uh, and, uh, the dog fight guy? Yes. NFL, right, because yeah. he's, he's like, I know it's American football. He's like Wayne yeah. Rooney in blackface. Yeah. Michael Vick. <laughs> yes. All kinds of wrong. Um, but that thing of like going, you know, I think that, that thing of like redemption and religion does it better than the secular world. Mm-hmm. Religion does that better. And we should, you've got to be respectful of that. It does. I don't know. I think like, the idea of second chances and and a way back is kind of is pretty valuable. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to to sort of talk about because it does seem to have, you know people are human beings and can you separate the art from the artist? Right. And like like for me, I always thought just specifically, very specifically with comedy, I always thought, okay, like somebody said a joke, even if it was ten years ago, even if it was yesterday, they said a joke, and it was obviously in the name of comedy. They're on a stage in a comedy club, yeah. And you might and you get upset at the joke and you want to take the career away, but. Then somebody will say something similar in a scripted TV show or a scripted movie, but that's okay. Like, that's okay that they said something similar because it's all written down and it's in like TV movie format. Mm -hmm. But then if I say it naturally in a joke that I wrote, then I'm all the responsibility wears on me and I'm, and my life's over. So it's like these, these things that don't match up to me. I think a lot of the reporting on it though is like the journalists are not dummies. Right. I mean, most journalists are pretty smart. Yep. And they know that's a joke and that was dripping in sarcasm. And then it gets reported on like it was a statement. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I have a statement I'd like to make about the Holocaust, everyone, please. <clears throat> Your attention. No, it's cl- clearly a joke dripping in irony at the end of an hour-long show that was incredibly edgy. Yeah. And you pick that thing to be offended by. Well, what about everything else? Yeah. What right. about all the other things? It's like, and it tends to be it's a moment in time. Mm-hmm. something that comes up and it but then it, it sort of goes again and listen i've been i've been very lucky in that you know people i think understand I, i've got a theory about comedy like comedians leak mm-hmm. so i could be on stage for two hours doing a show and not say anything that's true about i like i don't share in the way that you share on stage people have a real sense of me right yeah. people have a like they come away from watching a special they go yeah, i kind of know what that guy'd be like mm-hmm. i yeah. know yeah it'd be pretty pretty liberal kind of yeah okay but they don't they, you know they don't take it as I think audiences are so much smarter than the media gives them credit for. Oh yeah. Like audiences get who people are on stage. Well, they become like an organism, like in that, for that night, like they all kind of like start to think alike and they can all sense each other. I really believe in like the brain power energy of like this certain group of people sitting in that show for that one night become like a living thing. And I think with you, it's like, you've never presented yourself as anything other than exactly who you are. I think comedians and people in general get in trouble when they're portraying themselves one way publicly uh, and and then we get used to that and then all of a sudden they decide to change and they try to be like this really, you know, great guy or whatever. And then we're like, wait, wait, wait no, no, you were the guy that was doing the jokes well, about- Well, that's like the, the hardest thing in the world is when people have a reputation, like Ellen is a great example, yeah. Ellen DeGeneres. 
Fucking, Are you saying that because of my haircut? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hilarious, right? Hilarious. Yes, like, yeah. great stand-up comic, right? Great. And then she does a daytime show and she's like super friendly on it because it's a daytime show. That's the, that's the gear she's got to be in, right. right? So daytime, hey, everyone, it's nice. It's during the day. There's no edge to that. There's edge to a comedy. Like, she's yeah. a little bit mean. Like, yeah. she's 20% mean on stage. Mm-hmm, right. And that's kind of where a lot of the funny comes from. Yeah. She's the mean thing. Like, a little bit catty. Great. But she's not doing that on TV every day. She's being the friendly self. And then people are like pissy about uh, she wasn't friendly at work. And you go, yeah, <laughs> sorry, she does a live three-hour show five days a week. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yes. I can't imagine the level of pressure. Yeah. She's running a multi-million yeah. pound organization behind the scenes. And sometimes if a coffee's not right, she fucking sends it back. Yeah. Okay. I've, yeah. Got, I've got no issue with that. It's like, it's the, but the, the, the hypocrisy of it is somehow... Yeah cooled out I said, okay well yeah it's all for me i there's another principle i heard too it's like i'm strict with myself and then tolerant with others you know with as long as you're not committing a crime i'm like people always want to like scream at what other people are doing because they're not doing it like them where i've always been like wasn't well, this the beauty of being alive is we're all so different so like yeah. if ellen's going to be mean to her staff and and by the way we don't know that's the thing like my mom would get mad at like ellen yeah. i'm like mom you're 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 looking at an edited version ellen would have sent him out for water. Yes. Oh, yeah. totally. Oh, yeah. Look, the mice yeah. will take care of themselves. Crying. Oh my God. She would. They, he'd be dripping washcloths into your mouth. Whatever you need, he'd be treated like like a <laughs> king. But instead, he instead he almost wanted to fight you. <laughs> <laughs> instead, instead, he got all. He got Pre- all. Pretty sure he could take me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird that thing of the. Ah, it's 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 interesting that that thing of like. The thing with you, I love, is the the authenticity. The yeah. I mean, obviously, that thing, the most obvious thing in the world is like, I'm sure people have gone, oh, yeah, it's going to be a sitcom. We want to do a sitcom with you. You go, yeah, it could do. But I'd rather hear the stories. Yeah. I'd rather like, sitcoms like, well, let's get a committee to get involved in your right. next stand-up special. No, just fucking write it. Just, just do it. Yeah, just tell the stories. And, have, and I think, too, one of the things now that career is progressing, told so many stories and podcasting or whatever, is like, people want to meet my real dad or my real mom and do a reality show about all these characters. And I'm like, or my real girlfriend. And I'm like, there exist, but you know, I've embellished them. I'm telling a story. I'm, I have a creative, it's not exactly how I'd say it happened. It's the, the truth. It was there. And then the next Hassan. What? what <laughs> oh yes. Yes. I, yeah. saw, I saw Hassan the other day in the, in the, in yeah. the cellar and just went, Oh man, are you okay? Cause yeah. like really what's that? Like, yeah, you bullshit. Yeah. What the, and you go, you know, it's like so tough for him. He's like, life is kind of ruined. But what, I mean, that journalist that, that did the hit piece, you go, but why? Right. Is there nothing going on in the Middle East at the moment? You just focus on this? Okay. <laughs> they, were ho- they were hired by Jordan Klepper. Right. <laughs> he's, trying, yeah. he's trying to step into the seat of the host. <laughs> they thought he was the Middle East. <laughs> but that thing of, uh, yeah. the, I don't know. I mean, it's, it strikes me that that thing of like going, the stoic thing of you sticking to standing on stage with a microphone and telling us funny stories is like, yeah. Do that. Yeah. I mean, you could do the reality TV. I bet it would be great. Yeah. If you like that kind of thing. It's not a medium that I care about, though. No, they offered me They offered me pretty good deal. Like, it would have been nice to do a reality TV show, like Kardashian people involved. And, and you know, of course, my agent was pushing, you know, big money, whatever. And I was like, I went home to my girl, you mm-hmm. know, Jazz, and I was like, is it okay? Like, I showed her that the numbers are. She was like, it's good money. I was like, is it okay if I say no? Because I really don't want to do this at all. And I don't ever want to put you guys on camera. And she was like, whatever, fuck, say no. We'll just keep living in this apartment. I don't care. She's like, I just want to, I want to be with 
You know, yeah. she, she's very supportive now where I was like, and it was one of those. I wonder, dis- I wonder if your next wife will feel the same. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. No, it's, I, I don't think yeah. it's good for the kids. No, I don't, I, I don't, I don't see that kind of no. having great results like yeah. 10 years on. Cause I think it's very difficult to be in that as the, like the only problem with fame is the, the shadow it casts. Right. So the people that you're close to are like, if they're constantly getting asked about you every day. Right. It's like, that's a, like your yeah. brothers, sisters, or whatever, and they're like, "Oh, how's how's he doing? How's yeah. he doing?" Constantly, that's like, ah, what? What? Yeah. It's not great for them. Yeah. Well, I, I think I, I, I'm realizing now as my stories and stuff are getting out there, like a lot of my like my father and mother and pe- people I've spoken about that mm. have created these stories out that it's all in good fun. They are starting to get questioned, and I'm starting to realize, like, oh wait, maybe I shouldn't. I could be vulnerable with me and my experiences, but maybe I shouldn't divulge so much about my family anymore because now it's like. People are starting to like DM, you know, Jasmine, or they'll come up to my father in the street and be like, is that thing true? What Chris, Chrissy said? And then he's like, you know, what do you want me to say here, Chris? Like, he'll call me and be like, you know, it was kind of true, but it's also kind of illegal. So, what, <laughs> you know, like, what do you want me to do? I think if it's fans of the podcast asking, great. Yeah. If it's the cops, <laughs> yeah. then you went too far. It, then it went too far. What's the next thing for you? What are you, are you working on a new special? You, yeah, I have a new, so, I have a new special. We're going to film, um, in the next couple of months, hopefully. And then, um, when my CBS sitcom didn't get picked up, that made me start the podcast. Cause I, I had a one-year-old daughter. I was like, I have to do something. So now we have the podcast and we love doing it where I'm like, where now it's like, I would, I'm always down to be collaborative, but I'm not going to let, I'm not, if I don't think the note is funny, I'm not just going to take it in desperation mode anymore. Yeah. But that thing of like the whole of comedy, the whole of stand up is it's self assignment. Right. No one ever says, oh, you need new stuff. You need to go and write new material. No one ever, no one ever think management have never called me and gone, you need to write a new show. Right. They would never think to. Right. They've never said that to anyone. But of course, that's it's self assignment. That thing of like going, well, you need to write the stand up special. We need to, Keep that going. No, no, no. Yeah, even even stand up. I've been you know bitching to my family, to Mike, to be like, I've been on the road too long, too many weekends in a row. It's like, well, whenever the dates stop, when the tour ends, it's not like I'm going to not do stand up for three months. I'm just going to go back to the clubs in New York and not have to get. I just don't want to get on a plane for a few months. But I'm never. We can't. I feel like how we. I mean, we used to do like fifty shows a week, open mics and all that. Like we, where the stand like stand up is in our blood. I can't go more than. What's the longest you ever went without doing it? Four days? Yeah. Well, five days. days. I mean, COVID is the bad example. But yeah. Yeah. Right, all right, yeah. right. Outside Besides COVID. Right. But even that, then getting back to it, it felt like you were like re-jumping back into something that you've always done. Yeah. You right. know, it, the anxiety of like not knowing how it was going to go, if it was going to get taken away again. I did those outdoor shows in front of cars yeah. at a diner where they beep instead of laugh. And it was like, you yeah. know, truly, it's, it's the zombie skeleton of what comedy was. Mm. But even that just the excitement of getting back into it it was like it was necessary i remember being so depressed during the pandemic for months and i was like oh it's got to be because of you know people dying and uh, people around me dying and then as soon as i got on stage i was like oh no it was just because i wasn't doing comedy i let everybody die <laughs> i didn't get to tell people my thoughts, <laughs> Not my thoughts. <laughs> it's kind of interesting the, the pandemic oh, go on. over the summer you said that you felt weird that you weren't on the road a lot so it's interesting now hearing you be like stressed at how much you're on the road because over the summer i remember you we were talking about right how you felt like you were like oh i don't like you don't feel as much as like a comic because you haven't been touring as right much. but i think that the, the 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 problem with that was too where i was living 
Staten Island. Got it. That's why I was Staten Island is like, do you know no, Staten no, Island? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the Palestine of New York. It's like but that also, and, that also goes back to dopamine versus serotonin. Yes. Where it's like you're within what you are, then you're uncomfortable, and then you want to do the opposite. Right. Yeah. And and I think for me personally, like I need to be around people. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not the guy that needs the big house or what. I need to be around people. I feed off the energy of people where I was living. There was no people around and that I, I, I couldn't live like that anymore. Yeah. So now I feel much more connected to the world. Well, it's one of the things, I tell you what you need in life, and it, it, nothing physical, but something to look forward to. Mm. Yeah. Something to look forward to. So whatever the thing is of like the, the, next, the next thing that you go, well, I've got a show on Friday or I've got like a, I'm mm-hmm. working on this sitcom, working on this, whatever. The thing of, it just seems like there's a, um, yeah, it's like you need that, something to look forward to. My thing with sitcoms is like, it's so much energy expounded on that. Right. And you go, and what are the odds? I mean, right. It's like, it's a lottery ticket. Right, right. But we get to get lottery tickets because we get to a certain level in stand-up and people go, what about doing this other thing where you're an actor? Right. right. Oh, I don't want to be an actor. Right. Yeah. No, well, see, see, for me, because, you know, I guess with the podcasting, like I was always thinking, whatever situation you put me in, if it's a movie, if it's mm. a TV show, if it's something, I'll just bring the podcast there. I'll, yeah. just, I'll just do the podcast on one day from the set. I'll yeah. just make the podcast more interesting by doing the other stuff. Yeah. That's how I think about it. I think the way I'm thinking about it now is like, I'm thinking most, most of my ambitions are emotional. Mm-hmm. Like how do I want to feel? And then that thing of going, well, how do I want to, how do I want my days to be? So you go, it's the, like the reason I would love to get cast in a movie is because of the result. Yeah. I'd love to have been in a movie. Mm-hmm. That would be so cool. I don't want to make a movie. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. the process sounds fun. So right. it's going to be really tough for me to be in a movie because going and sitting in a trailer for eight hours and someone else being in charge, eh, it doesn't sound like me. Right. Yeah. That doesn't sound like me. I think I'll probably just go. So you would turn jokes. down a movie. If you were offered the lead of a Marvel movie right now, you would say no. The lead of a Marvel movie? Yeah. I think I would question who the fuck is offering me the lead of a movie. I mean, it would be insane. <laughs> could you imagine? I could be the baddie in a Bond movie. I think that's totally yeah, hundred yeah. percent. That would be yeah. Sick. No one is no one is arguing with that. You yeah. versus Idris, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd I mean, be sick. Cry, crying tears of blood. <laughs> yes, I'm Mr. Bond. We've been expecting you. Uh, the, that thing of like going, yeah, but it's it's the process thing. The right. process. I don't think I would. Right. Listen, right. I've got nothing but respect for actors. Fantastic. I love it. Right. I love going to the movies. But that thing of like, I want the result. Right. Not the work. Whereas with comedy. I like the work. Right. I want to build a new show. Mm. Yeah, I like recording the special, but I like doing it. I like the process. Yeah, in, in comedy, like, you know, I always say, like, you control your your effort, not your outcome. And if, if you can just be happy with your effort and not worry about the outcome, that's a happy life. It feels like you have that. You just are happy with the effort. Yeah. It's, yeah, that thing of, like, doing the doing the work, that's the enjoyable thing. I know, like, the, the sitcom, that, I mean, sounds great. It sounds really fun. Yeah. I would only do it in my parameters if I could do it in New York and be home every night at 5 p.m. and be with my, I would only do it then. If, if there's any other thing that if they were like, you, you, we'll give it to you, but you got to be in LA or Vancouver, I just, I just wouldn't do it. I'm just okay not doing it. So I would do it. That's the only reason why I would want to do it just to kind of, I would be okay with that work, but it'd have to be home here. In so New where York. are you? You're Queens, right? Queens, baby. And then you're surrounded by who else is, who else are the people around you? The Jews. Right. <laughs> Yes, Love invented stand-up, basically. Love invented it. Um, but that thing of like, so who who are the people around that make life tolerable then? My family, like yeah, okay. yeah my my girl, my my three kids, and my mom. My mom is 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 very close to me. So that's you know, and my friends from home, other than Mike and one other guy, two other guys in stand-up. But my friends from home, I I have like three or four like best friends from home from Queens, and they we all live within 
five blocks of each other now. Because I had li- I was the one who moved away. I was the one I was living in Staten Island. I was living in Bay Ridge. I was living far from them. And right. I was always like an hour and a half to get home to hang out where like now I've moved back to Queens in just two, three months. I'm like, oh shit, I'm back in the flow of like my life again. I'm like not missing any my friends' kids' birthdays anymore. They want to go out to the bar and have a drink and talk. I'm like, oh shit, this is when I started comedy. This is where all my stuff was coming from. Too, I'm like back with my boys. Can I make a, like just as someone that's, I've listened to the show and those boys, I think be interesting because you talk a lot about masculinity. Right. And that seems like a really interesting theme for you because of how you look and how you present. Like, right. like I know who you are, right? There's two things. There's character and reputation, right? Character is what you know about yourself. Reputation is how the world sees you, right? And the world sees you. It's kind of a tough New York guy. You can say you're sensitive and physical therapist and it's all gay, as much as you want. Right. <laughs> Everyone sees this right. and they take that message. I think having those guys on the show, not a reality TV show, but having them on this, chatting to those guys, yeah. would be a really interesting kind of thing of going and just talking about talking about masculinity, talking about what it is to be a man. What it, that to me would be a really interesting thing for like, I don't know who listens to the show, but it strikes me that that would be a very interesting, I'd love to hear yeah. the stories. I think you'd get a lot out of that. Yeah, that's yeah, because we we I know what we used to call one of my friends, uh, Lil Debo, we called him a squeak, we used to call him and we would have this segment squeak of the week, where we would call and we would talk to him about about like, you know, he's five foot three about like what other people what other small people in the world are doing. And he would always talk to me and just say something so funny because he's he's got like a, you know, very low IQ, but he's a great genuine dude. Like and and the fans loved it. <laughs> I mean, this is it's yeah. Already good. You good? And he would, I mean, he would tell us stories about how he's fucking as a baggage handler for JetBlue. Like he puts bags under the plane, but he would tell girls he's a pilot. And, <laughs> oh, he's pilot adjacent. Yeah. 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 They're not taking off without his, his say-so. Yeah. <laughs> true. Yeah. I think that thing like that for me would it's be, yeah. would be a really interesting yeah. to talk about. It's almost like the um, sliding doors thing of going, this is what my life would have been. Right. Right. If it wasn't for jokes... I'm one of these guys. Right. And I'm still connected to these guys. It strikes me as a really kind of interesting... Interesting thing. Yeah, no, it's it's true. I mean, yeah, they call them... I mean, half of them are unemployed now, so we can call them. Yeah, they're, they're not busy. Yeah, no, dude. They're not doing anything. They'd love to do it. I don't... I, th- I think that's... That That to me, like, it's not family. It's not your kids on a reality TV show. It's, it's your boys. Right. And it's authentic. And I think it would generate material. Yeah. I think it would be another show about the, the guys and what the guys do. Yeah. Yeah, because I have those characters sprinkled into the sitcom pitch, whatever. Um, but I never thought about anything like we're bringing them on to this, to the to the podcast or, you know, calling well, them but in. But also, I mean, you know, today I've come on and we talked a lot about comedy and the weeds of it. And some people are into into that. It's like, oh, that's interesting, right? They're chatting about how to write jokes and what, where they get the stuff. Great. But with that, it's like it's a, it's a regular life. It's real stories. Right. And I think the more detailed you get into what any, anyone does for a living, when you get really into the weeds, it gets interesting. Yeah. The, de- the, yeah. the top line could be boring. Baggage right. handler. Okay. Sounds boring. Boring job. I bet the weeds of it are fascinating. Oh, yeah. You told me about a guy that was a, a, a narcoleptic would just fall asleep and he fucking, they were loading bags and the guy fell asleep in the bottom of the plane and they they didn't see know that he fell asleep in the back and they just threw the bags and the plane took off and landed in boston and the guy survived it was a whole they they had no idea did he, he almost freeze to death no he said the only reason he survived is because the flight from new york to boston only goes to fifteen thousand feet if it was any other flight he would be dead frozen oh, to death but he woke up and then they and he thought he was still in new york and he got out and there were police everywhere and like the fbi 
because they were like a stowaway thing. And he was like, yeah, this guy shouldn't. And then he sued Jeff Blue and he won like $10 million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was telling us his story. He was just drinking beers. He was like, you know, I was like, how would you? I swear to God, I was like, how was your date? He goes, a guy fucking fell asleep under the plane. $10 million? He won $10 million for got, Jeff Blue's listen, negligence. I'm not, I'm not psychic. But I think I know what we're going to do with your five foot three friend. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you say he has a very low IQ. Oh, the lowest. Well, he's going to get a million dollars. You and I are managing this. Yes. So we get a bigger cut. That's fine. We'll explain it to him. Yeah. Uh, this sounds fantastic. Fantastic. I mean, five foot three, we could put him in the overhead. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need to go in the, in the, listen, we can keep him warm, right? Yeah. Yeah. Get him like one of those big fleece jackets. Yeah. It's like a sleeping bag. For Done. Him. Fuck it, beautiful. Okay, yeah. I mean, listen, we have a money-making scheme. I got another friend. He was getting engaged. Kid was, un, I mean, real. like this is how stupid my friends are. Getting engaged to literally a girl 10 times out of his league. Beautiful girl. Meets the family. We all like, how the fuck is he with this girl? Please, like, he's like, yeah, we're getting engaged. Great. So they go to a barbecue. This was right. last summer. They go to a barbecue, and she, he meets the girl's father, and the girl's father is a Yankees fan and our friend is a Mets fan and they get into a discussion about the Yankees versus the Mets and my friend punches the girl's <laughs> father in the face and knocks him out in front of everyone over the Mets relief pitchers. He called off the engagement, nothing. Now he's back at the bar. He's just back at the bar like a fucking another bar stool just sitting there and then he thought that he was in the right. I'm like, okay, number one, you punch her in the face. Number two, for Christmas, this is why we could not understand how they were even getting engaged. For Christmas, he didn't know what to get her, so he gave her a hundred dollar gift card to Applebee's. As genuinely serious, because that was there where they went out on a first date. Yep. I was like, and she said yes to the ring because he's yeah. a big Jack Diesel like cop. You know, I wonder. I wonder is the it's the it's the it's your podcast, but it's with terrible people. <laughs> yes, this week with terrible people. This week with terrible people. Yeah, that is extraordinary. I mean, that's just it's it's what it's. It's what they do. I mean, you know, you know, and it's funny being friends with cops. It's like, you know, you're legally not allowed to do this. Like something will happen like horrific. Like somebody will get like shot in the head and I'll be like, you know, in the group chat, be like, look at my fucking day. And it's like somebody's <laughs> brain all over the wall. I'm like, I'm in my kid's preschool. <laughs> Dude, it's like what the cops did at Kobe's accident. Did. Yeah, yeah. It's like, for that's what I said. I was like, can't, isn't this illegal? He's like, I'm a cop. What are they going to do to me? I'm like, you can still get arrested, you fucking asshole. I think you have to get these guys out. Yeah, I have to get them in. Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, it's also that thing if you go, okay, we've got all the stories about your childhood. Like right. I've heard the stories and it's great. Like it's, you know, the, uh, is it two hour specials? The Comedy oh, one Central, hour. the- well, I have two yeah. hours of specials, yeah. 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 No, I've seen both and they're, they're great. But you go, well, you run out of stories. Sure. You're never going to run out of stories because you're still hanging around with terrible people. That's it. Bang, bang. Yeah. yeah. All right. I love it. All right. Well, let's get you some water. Let's get you out of <laughs> yeah, here. You hydrated. We're we going to hydrate the Brit. Yeah, we got to hydrate. It's been a pleasure hosting I this. Pee. I don't know what the I don't know what the money's like, but I've loved it. That's well, HelloFresh. You know, if if we got a new host, HelloFresh, you can kick up that ad money now. America's <laughs> um, number one meal kit. America's number one meal kit. What, Not, what do we? HelloFresh. Hello. So you, you don't want to go to the grocery store and buy all the bits that you need. You're going to spend a fortune. You might as well eat out. HelloFresh should just deliver what you want. This is the specific stuff. And then you can make the food yourself. It's gonna be it's gonna be good. Beautiful. Just what what are they, what's the code? What if they promo want promo code uh chaos. The promo code is chaos. Yes. Okay. There you go. <laughs> so, I, I don't know if that's a promo code. I think it gets you a discount, <laughs> I but I think maybe they don't send you the good stuff. Yes. 
maybe they just they go. Oh, it's one of Chrissy's people. That's it. We'll get the stuff that's nearly it's got two days left. Get them. Get them. Just there. give them packages of sauce. Yeah, um, this is great. There you go. Hello Fresh. Good. I mean, this is this is what you read. This is that's what my ad reads. Yeah, fifty percent off plus free shipping. Why the hell what? not? Chaos. Type chaos in. Also, if you go on any other website. And I fucking shoot for the moon. Type chaos. See what happens. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> well, I mean, what? listen, you don't know. Maybe. Why the hell not? Guess. Guess at the promo code. Yeah. Maybe there's 75% off. Guess. There's other podcasts. <laughs> it sounds pretty good, though, doesn't it? Barbecue yeah. pulled pork nachos. Oh, yummy. Mini pumpkin cheesecake. Yummy, yummy. America, baby. This is this is not bad. We got do you have, have HelloFresh in Britain? I think they do, yeah. I think they've, go. they've got uh, certainly something similar. All right. Um, and I've got a chef. It's, it's called Hello Fresh. <laughs> there it is. Thank you. Yeah. This is it right. Jimmy Carr joke? Great okay. seeing you, man. You too, brother. Anybody, uh, where can they see you while you're in America? Because they will come. Oh, I've got like, um, uh, let, let me think. I've got tour dates in December and next March, I think. Okay. okay. I'm coming back. I've got like three more little stints to do. But we've added loads more, loads more dates. I mean, people are enjoying the show. It's, 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 it's an amazing well. show. And tonight, tonight, tonight you're yeah. at Carnegie Hall. I know this yeah, will got, come out. I've got Carnegie tonight. I've wow. got Yeah, I've got loads. Oh, look, I've got the, the Tabernacle in Atlanta. Where you're oh, recording. there you go. When are you recording the, the special? Can Supposedly in that? December or uh, January. We don't know yet. It's, Hulu doesn't know if they're in yet, so we have to wait right. to see. Yeah. But that thing of like, that's going to be a hot show. Hope so. I always think that thing of like going to see a recording of a special one because you've got the lights and the cameras are in. There's something about the excitement of that night. Yeah, if yeah. you're in Atlanta, get to that. Get to that. There uh, it is. Uh, where are San Diego? Oh, the Wiltern. Oh, yeah, it's big. Anaheim. Yeah, keep keep scrolling because next year I've got loads in in. Uh, Look at that. Uh, I don't know. It's a lot. Oh, yeah, in March. So Las Vegas, Charlotte, that. Orlando, New Orleans, San Antonio, Milwaukee, Kansas City, St. Louis. It's kind of great for me as well because a lot of places that I've seen in movies and I've never been to. Right. I like to to spend time in. So it's like. Oh, so this I'm, is your first time really touring through the U.S. Well, a lot of the like I've been to some of the places before, but like you've never been to St. Louis. No, I've never been to St. Louis. The pageant is a great theater. You're gonna oh, okay. love it there. Did you like St. Louis? I love St. Louis. Yeah. Um, that's great. All right, so you go go back and forth. I like that. And I'm gonna be in 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 the UK in all the whole month of June. Really? Uh, the Mets are playing the Philadelphia Phillies baseball. June 7th and 8th. Right. And then I'm going to just stay there. I'm going to go to the game and then I'm going to bring my family with me and we're just going to stay in London. Wait and a second. I- Didn't you not go to the game last time? Yes. You flew there, had a panic attack, flew back. Flew back. Yes. Yeah. So, so this time I'm going to okay. go to the game because I'm going to bring my family. I'm going to say I'll be your emotional support animal in London. Okay. Thank you. I can give you the list of things to do with the kids. Yes. I think you need, you need to do... Where Leg- can I stay? You need Legoland. You need uh, Peppa Pig World. You, I mean, there's a lot oh, of... Peppa Pig guys. World is huge. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, we, it's my amazing. kids love Peppa Pig. Yeah, okay. Well, that's... Yeah, I can, I can work out where you should stay. What part of London should I stay and get an Airbnb in? Uh, I would do... I'd do I mean, Ryan's pretty good. I'm right near London Zoo. London Zoo? London Zoo's pretty good. It's a pretty good kind of central place to be. Okay. Uh, if you've got kids or whatever you want to be... Uh, yeah. And I could get anywhere, airports, clubs, quick. The game is at yeah. London Stadium. London Stadium. That sounds made up. <laughs> I thought that's what the name was. <laughs> oh, it's, it's at London Stadium, which is just next to the post office. <laughs> near oh, London Stadium. London's yeah. Village What Green. stadium is right this? Right next door to England Hospital. Queen Elizabeth Park. <laughs> oh, okay. That's the Olympic Stadium. That's the, uh, yeah, that, that's great. But you get to that on the tube. You don't, you wouldn't drive to that. 
Okay. Get the tube train there. Nobody we'll, we'll drives to the games kids. in Europe, right? Like everybody just takes the train. Every- no, no, people do. There's certain places where it's great and they've got parking and they're kind of out of town. Yeah. Great. And there's certain places like that where you go, the drive is like, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's a ball like, so you just go. Okay. And when I play like the, the O2, uh, which is the big, big room in uh, South of London, I'll get the tube there. Tube there and tube back. Your own arena show. You'll can, take the tube. I can get out faster than the audience. Wow. As I go out the back, I can get on the first tube out. Bang. Easy. Boom. Bang. I love that thing of like being on the subway to the, to the show. Like it feels like. Do you know the band, the 1975? Yeah. They're a huge British band. They're my, that's my favorite band. Really? Yeah, I love them so much. Like a, like a, uh, the only music I've ever cared about in my life is the 1975's music. Love, love it. They're, I'm, they're coming to Madison Square Garden next week and I bought tickets. Like I, I do all the MSG venues besides the big one. And they were like, my agent was like, we, we're going to get, we got you set up for the 1975. I'm like, I bought the tickets already. And they were like, why would you buy the tickets? Like we, you do the venues. I was like, I like, I like because buying, I want to support them. I like buying tickets to shows. I love I like it. If I go and see comics, I like buying the ticket and I'll do, I'll go backstage and hang out and drink their booze, but yeah. I don't want to buy the ticket. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm hoping to get, I'm hoping that, uh, 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 the, the lead singer, Matty Healy responds to my DM. Cause I'd love to go backstage and meet them, but I did buy the ticket. Cool. So I'm there and I'm fucking pumped. I don't know That's why right. I said that. I don't know whether <laughs> are you gonna are you but maybe maybe you'll get there and you'll you'll need to go home. Sometimes you need to go home. That's Sometimes true. the Mets are playing and you go, I gotta go home. I gotta go home. That's the thing with me, is I I and I will enjoy it for a couple of minutes, but after a couple of minutes, if I feel like I'm you know not in the right place, I, I'm I'm all about I got if I got a minute with you, I don't I don't ever the last thing I ever want to do is uh, overstay my welcome. So if I got a minute with you, it's the lead singer, Matty Ealy, I would cherish that minute and I would go and be like, that was the greatest night of my life. Who cares if they went out that night and they hung out and they were banging everybody? I'm like, great, I got that one minute, dude. Yeah. I don't. I never want to overstay the welcome. Well, they say never meet your heroes, but I think you've done great today. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> uh, the um, Look at this. The I've got more London tips for you. Well, let's do that off air. No one I love London it. Yeah, tips. Jimmy's lips this are bleeding great, for man. me. Thank so you so much. Thank you. <laughs> I'm wrapping up. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, okay.